So for gabbing a ghoul or two. I've oh, seen we're a, gonna gab some ghouls. I got a handful of ghouls, I think. I don't have any horror ghouls to gab. I didn't see any movies that are ghouly. Well, I watched a movie that had some what had some ghouls in it. It was it's called uh, Bloody Muscle Bodybuilder in Hell. Uh, it's 1995. <laughs> it's a Japanese movie. Very low budget, obviously. The camera pr- looks it, it looks like the camera that they shot it on probably cost about ten dollars in 1995. Uh, the camera work is like, you know, it's the best that they could do with the camera that they had, clearly, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's... That's such a rude, mean thing to say. <laughs> okay, but here's the, 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 the movie does go, like, surprisingly hard, though. Mm-hmm. It's not what you expect from, like, you know, from the title being Bloody Muscle Bodybuilder in Hell and the, op- the like, uh, the uh, 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 alternate title being... Uh, are you doing this again? God. <laughs> the alternate title is The Japanese off, Evil Dead. So from a combination of Bloody Muscle Bodybuilder in Hell and Japanese Evil Dead, it had me thinking, like, this is going to be the best movie I've ever seen because I was expecting Evil Dead 2, you know, and, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. just some big jacked dude fighting demons for, you know, the just over an hour that the movie runs for. As you do. It's not. It's Evil Dead 1. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it is actually a very fun watch i enjoyed it and it does in fact have some 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 ghoulish content to it it's all you know possessions and whatnot see i'm a as an evil dead um one fan right would right. you say it's worth my time as a fan of the first evil dead or not um not it, goofy it, enough? If you are going into it exclusively as a fan of the first Evil Dead movie, you will likely be disappointed. You've got to be prepared for what the movie actually is, which is not that. A bodybuilder fighting zombies in hell. He's not in hell. I don't mm. know where that part of the I don't know where that part of the title even comes from. He's not actually in hell. It's probably just like a translation thing. I wonder if it's the same issue as like Jason goes to hell where they like had his mask get sucked down into hell. And then and Jason doesn't go to hell. Yeah, and they're just he like just turns oh, we don't into know like what a... else to do with this. Yeah, He's he doesn't go to hell. He just turns now. into a slug. He's just a Jason slug. Which frankly movie. is the same as the plot of like Nightmare what? Six? Whatever the Dream Master was. Sure. Where it's like, turns out that there's three fucking Jim Henson snake demons that are like, oh, we're the dream demons. and Oh no, the dreamins. We're going to make sure that you have the power to live forever, see? But you got to kill people, see? And he's like, I want it all! Six was not, what, because isn't Six the metal one? New uh, Nightmare? I don't yeah. know. I don't Let me check. think. I don't know. Because we had this discussion when we did Nightmare a little Three. while ago. Yeah. Oh, four was the Dream Master. God damn. Oh, we're dude. coming so right up on it. This I was fall. correct. Oh, yeah. No, wait. No, we're. Oh man, no, that can't be right. That can't be right. Have a sec. Let me. Let me check five. The Dream, dream Child. Dream Child. Um. Oh. Okay. In number six, Freddy's dead. The final nightmare. That's where the Jim Henson oh, okay. demons are. Oh. Are they like the cosmic knowledge fish? Except like the, the evil cosmic knowledge fish. Honestly, a little bit. The, would that be like cosmic? Now imagine. Okay, so when I say Jim Henson, imagine someone was like, "Oh, I know what Jim Henson stuff looks like." Oh, right, right. Okay, <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. It's just like this is like cheap ass eighties shit. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'll see if I can find you a picture while we're chatting. I say but... as though the Muppet movies were likely to be expensive to make. <laughs> okay, actually, like looking at them now, oh, look at that shit. They look a lot more like a Henson piece than I 
than I thought they did. If I saw that in an Evil Dead movie, I'd be like, oh, this rocks. <laughs> they do look a little hence. You know Unfortunately, what they look like? Unfortunately, you see it not are they, in Evil Do they Dead? have little skulls? Um, They're like little fish boys. Yeah. Little skull-looking fish boys. They look, they look like, you know... They're supposed to look like uh, fish. Uh, nope. No, yeah, um, just like deep sea fish with the. But they're also, but they're worms. Oh, they're worms. Yeah. Okay. So there's like a. Freddy whole has thing. worms. There's a whole thing where like. Where you Freddy know, has worms. Yeah. Uh, th- th- you know my favorite, uh, my favorite exposition type where person is young enough to be in school, so they have a school teacher telling them the plot of the movie. Right. Right. That right. happens in um, Freddy Six, uh, okay. uh, where it's just like. Oh, yeah, you know, the uh, ancient Mesopotamians used to believe that there were three dream demons who would give you nightmares and shit like that. Yeah, that sounds right. I bet the Mesopotamians did think that. But It's like, big bagul energy. It, it is, is big, big bagul energy. <laughs> God, bagul sucks, man. Bagul really, really... Really like, sucks, yeah. Um, I really love Bagul in concept, and by Sinister in concept, isn't a I mean, bad movie, but the no. closer you look at it, it's clear that there was not much thought put in. Yeah, it's just a huge bummer because Sinister as a movie Perfectly is fine. actually scary. I like it, but as soon as you look close, yeah, the the you start to see the seams, and the seams aren't sewn tight, mm-hmm. and they're just like, oh, the ancient Sumerian demon Bagul who eats children. It's like, okay, you were too specific because. <laughs> Yeah, you have to actually do some research if you say that kind of stuff. Like See, in um, The Night House. I know Emma is not a big fan of The Night House, but in The Night House, they've got um, some sort of like eldritch, like, uh, you know, ghost uh, haunting type stuff. Right. And they have done a bunch of research about it because they have a lot of like old timey fae shit thrown into the movie, but it's all in these like understated ways and you never get right. a lot of hard information. Okay, and. That's something that I really enjoyed about... I've been talking about Apostle a lot recently because mm. I've been thinking about it again. Love Apostle. And I love how understated that is, too, because yeah. it's like we don't know. We don't, we don't know, know what's really happening. And that's what I like about a lot of Flanagan shit, too, <laughs> um, which makes um, certain things about the movie we're going to talk about today kind of frustrating. Well, well, yeah. <laughs> it's, I'm going to say it now. This is a... To me, a disappointing end to Flanuary. A bit, Because yeah. we accidentally picked one of Flanagan's worst to end our month with. We, like, we wanted to come in with stronger stuff, and and then that turned out to be a mistake. I, I'm going to go ahead and say it. I don't think it's too much for me to say this. I think this is Mike Flanagan's worst movie. I think we went in descending order like, by accident of, like, good yeah. to bad. Because we, what do we do? Doctor Sleep, Oculus, Gerald's Game this uh hush was in there as well oh hush and then gerald's yeah i think we went descending order good to bad yeah because where was uh where's uh his other one um uh before i wake yeah where's before i wake sitting there for you it would sit uh after hush before ouija origin of evil Where's Gerald? So we're going in descending order. Somewhere I, I, we have like a rift in the group about whether or not Gerald's Game is a good movie. I know I have a far more favorable opinion of it than everybody else, and I'm willing to accept that I'm probably just objectively wrong there. I'm not. Gonna no, have I don't think you're objectively wrong because I personally. I just, I'm, I'm not going to argue it. I don't care. Enough. The movie it's is just... very fine for me. Yeah, I don't have the sure. same negative negative feelings toward right, it yeah. that like emma and nina do right yeah the the problem is just like the the good stuff the, the stuff that i like about it I, is stuff that i really like but the stuff that there is to dislike about it is just so 
So bad. I don't regret <laughs> watching it. Sure, yeah. Um, unlike VHS. Unlike VHS, which I definitely did. Um, Once again, rift in opinions in the group. Right, but, but like, I don't... I mm-hmm. with Not the, worth arguing about. Right. With Gerald's game, there are a couple scenes that, like, I would call iconic. Sure. Um, Which is, like, you know, that's, I think, what puts it above... That's what something I think Flanagan does really well is iconic shit. You know, like the um, yeah, the mirror and the degloving scene and his the, cat eye effects and the, the eclipse cat eye effects and the killer and, in in hush. He knows and, how to put stuff in there that you will think back on and be like, that was cool. Which is why a movie we're talking about today is so disappointing. What movie is yeah. Casual Obsession, the horror movie podcast where we talk about horror movies. In one room, drinking wine and having good times, I'm your host Noah, with me also being Jeff. Also drinking wine and having good times, but also drinking tea. And Nina. Also doing both the things Jeff's doing. And yeah, that's it. <laughs> it's just us. This it's time. just us, no just Emma. Us. Emma couldn't. R.I.P. Emma busy. being busy with all the witches, which is live on Kickstarter right now. Hot damn. Is so, it really? That's isn't exciting. it? Wait, shit. I don't think it is. The 15th, you loser. Yeah, not right um, now. Not right soon now. Soon is live very on soon. Kickstarter very right soon. now, yeah. but not today. The 15th of March, guys. Yeah. There will be a link in the description um, to the to the project. Definitely make sure you pre or not pre order. Um, follow. Make sure you follow it so that you yeah. know when it goes live. Big fucking things coming. Very excited. Very that excited. Shit is so exciting. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Uh, as part of the uh, tester team that has, you know, we've gotten to see some of the stuff going on. It's cool. It's gonna be fun. It's cool. It's, it's gonna be a lot fun. of fun. Yeah. But in any case, this has rendered Emma in- unable to be on the final episode of Flanuary this year. Which uh, is Ouija Origin of Evil. Rest in flan, Mike, because uh. damn. <laughs> yeah. It sure is a Ouija Origin of Evil of a time. It is. Uh, I wouldn't say that. It sure is a time. It sure is a Ouija 2014 of a time. It sure is a motion picture. It's a, a movie that I saw. If you like to have images and sounds get played on some manner of device for you, you, this is one of those. If you like... A Blumhouse movie, but oh my with God. all of the all of the Flanagan stylings. Yeah, I definitely watch. It's this. It's just a Blumhouse movie with a big Flanagan thumbprint in the middle of it. <laughs> Literally, yeah. Also, I know it just opened up his notes uh, over here, and his second note is the same as my second note. It just says "Blonde Kate." <laughs> <laughs> That is literally the second note that I took and the second note that Noah took. That's so funny. Yeah, I was like, oh, and there's Kate. And Noah's like, what? I'm like, yeah. And Almost I don't recognize her. It's weird seeing her blonde. It is. She's there for like two minutes at the front of the movie. Yeah, which is all that I needed from her. It's, it's yeah. It, it, she did fine. I mean, yeah, she did She did good for the she scene. She did good she's for the in. scene. It's just I feel a like scene. I feel like everyone in this movie is doing a good job. It's just that the movie is bad. Yeah. yeah. 
And uh, not, not to not to blow our ratings early, but like, this movie is not great. I yeah, am so excited it's... to talk about why it's bad, though, because it's yes. like this is the most like quantifiably bad movie. Like as far as the reasons it's bad, they're all like technical reasons. Mm-hmm. I don't have any moral issue. Well, it's I have one content. moral issue. Yeah, with there's this movie. one issue that I don't like. The rest of it is all like things that could be improved. You guys have a moral issue with this movie? I, no, not no, a moral issue. Not, not a it's, moral issue, but a but a like plot issue, I guess. Oh, okay. Yeah. We'll mm-hmm. get into it then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but like, yeah, it's it's literally just the movie is not written well. No. Yeah. That's it. That's the whole problem. It's and pretty, yeah. I have no proof of this. But Jeff and I were talking, and we're pretty sure our suspicion is this was a finished script that Mike was brought into. Yeah, it, because, I get the impression right. that somebody called up Mike and said, hey, would you like to make a movie for a paycheck? And he said yes. He's like, hey, do you want to do your second movie of 2016? And yeah. he's like, yeah, And then they were go. like, psych, it's a Ouija sequel, bitch. You have to make a Ouija movie now, you loser. And he was like, God damn it, shit, I can't believe you've done this he's to me. He's like, I'll insert, <laughs> I'll insert one spooky monologue and Henry Thomas, and we'll call it good. Whoa, 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 no, no. I've got, I got four flan points here. Oh, okay. Actually, it's closer to four and a half because there is, in fact, a monologue that is very explicitly about death, but I don't want to count it. Um, but it does have, it's got Kate, it's got glowing eyes, it's got a fucked up hand, and it's got a troubled family dynamic. We've got all the Mike stuff, and it, also yes. the religious trauma. Yeah. Shit, it's we do. all in there. I, oh, <laughs> I cannot, we gotta okay. get into talking so, about this. We have I, to. I have so many things it's, I wanna say. Now this is an incredibly, obnoxiously PG-13 movie. Completely. Oh, um, so much. When they say fucked up hand... It's like, it's like she just kind of like pulls it through a manacle and she acts like it hurts for a minute or two. So like, it's not, it's not fucked up. It's a hecked up hand. Yeah, a hecked up hand. So here's, here, and here's the thing about that. It is incredibly important for movies like this, like aggressively PG-13 horror to exist. Sure. Because we need new movies like this that are kind of derivative and kind of boring to be made that kids get to see in the theater and they can point at and say... That was what got me into horror. Yeah, like how so many people around our age feel about Insidious and that kind of stuff. There's a reason that Insidious, a kind of mid-positive, for me, positive, but you know, like, mid-positive movie for many people. Yeah. There's a reason that people just, like, really flock to it. It's because it's the first horror movie they saw in theaters. Right. And there's a lot to be said for getting to see a franchise first in a theater, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, even if you don't care for the rest of them. Which is wrong. The second one is very good. And the third one's not good. And the fourth one is also not good from what I understand. Uh, but, you know, the like... There's like a the, the third one and the second one were about equal to one another. But like, oh, yeah. It's been a long-ass <laughs> time since I saw any of those movies, so... That's super fair. Yeah. But, you know, there's a lot to be said for getting to see shit like this in the theater. Yeah. Um, you know, we got... Oh, what other stuff like this? Like, Bodies, Bodies, Bodies is comparable to this kind of vibe while being something I still enjoyed more. It you was know. way more gory as well. Well, yeah, but mm. it's it's one of those. It's a very accessible horror movie. It's it is also rated R. Right. You yeah, know, that's but true. Like, actually, I was a lot of, to bring it up. A lot of movies like that that exist. That it's like, oh, this isn't real horror. It's like, nah. But this was, is like stuff that gets people into horror. It's important for it to exist. Was, uh, I've just pulled up the the Wikipedia page for Ouija Origin of I Evil. I thought okay. I saw and his name in the credits. List and I was of, like, the the producers. The first names on that list are Michael Bay, Jason Blum. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, that's what um, else do you need to know about? Honestly, I gotta honestly, be honest. I'm a huge fan of the fact that Michael Bay, for just a hot minute there, was like, I'm gonna fund 
every horror remake that you can give to me. I and... see with the way that he like so publicly hated that Friday the 13th remake in 2009, mm-hmm. I'm shocked that he kept doing it for as long as he did. He honestly, I'm going to I'm going to be brave and say it. The Friday the 13th remake is by no means the worst remake we've had of a horror staple. In fact, I think it is mid decent, not in the um... same level of like that I think uh Insidious is mid decent. But it's not the worst Friday the 13th. My perception of it was that it was not fully aware of what a Friday the 13th movie was. It definitely does feel like that. it was a Texas Chainsaw movie. It felt like... Well, that's the issue, It's been a long time since I watched it, and full disclosure, I never finished it because I hated it so much the whole time. I did enjoy it, but also I definitely get the vibe where it could have been like Texas Chainsaw in New Jersey. Yeah. Okay, I want to bring it back to and reinforce the point about PG-13 oh, movies. Oh, yes. Right, right, yeah, we're getting off Yes, topic. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> PG-13 horror movies. Never. Because the first horror movie I saw in theaters that was a straight-up actual horror movie was M. Night Shyamalan's The Visit, um, which I saw when I was a freshman in college because I wasn't really super... I didn't have anyone who would go see horror movies with me, and then freshman year of college I met a, bud of, a bunch of other people who would watch things with me and I saw the visit and I was like I was so prepared because I'd never seen a horror movie before Mm. I was so prepared to hate it right um and then I didn't and then I didn't hate it I didn't like it I was like that was fine Mm. and then I watched Split which is another Shyamalan (laughs) um it's okay and then I watched Split was such a good theater experience it was fun it was was a fun one to go see honestly here's very firm take of mine if you get a chance to watch a Shyamalan in the theater, you really should kind of take it because okay. they're they're fun and I they're kind of wild. Okay, I so do feel like he doesn't deserve the degree of hate that he gets. He I'm not like a fan doesn't. of his by any chance. By by any chance, what am I saying? By any means, but like I do think that he is underrated. I yeah. think that I'm accidentally a fan. I think that I I just I've seen so many of his movies and I always feel like giving him a chance right. and I think that's fan behavior so yeah, um, <laughs> yeah that is that is what that is yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. but I, I didn't watch old because I don't like the premise and yeah, the I, concept is stupid I honestly. read the graphic novel it's based on because everyone said it was better than the movie oh, and I sense. hated the graphic novel. oh no and so I was like I was like this is exactly what I thought it was gonna be which is um kind of perverse and just it feels like it's exploring things there's a lot of graphic novels that I feel this way sure uh, they it feels like they're exploring things because they're fucked up and not because they actually have anything interesting to say about the human experience mm-hmm. oh okay um, okay although, sort of a like a splatter movie kind of thing uh, where it's just kind of like well this is pointless but it's in just kind of gross in a very like like they act like they're saying something because I know that oh. Sandcastles thinks that it's saying something about how short life is and like and this is my opinion. If other people found this profound, like, good for you. But in my opinion... Um, I, as, Lena says, fuck you. But I just think that it's, it's like, 
wouldn't it be fucked up if two kids aged rapidly and didn't understand themselves and then we're like, oh, but they had sex and had a child, but still mentally they're kids because they're just on the beach that makes you old. Stephen King, what are you doing here? That's, yeah, it, it's just, it's just <laughs> fucked up. And I'm like, I knew that was going to happen, but you, you set up the scenario so that it would happen like this. I've, Nina, I don't think I've ever heard you roast a hypothetical person as hard as when you said, if you think that's profound, good for you. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> like, I think I felt the heat from that one. That was... <laughs> I, I mean it, though. And with that being said, though, uh, again about Shyamalan, and I was telling um, Jeff this the other day, you listen to the guy talk about filmmaking, and he's fucking so into it. He's so into he it. He is pulling work from, like, old Italian directors that stylistically were, like, groundbreaking people and he's like oh, yeah, yeah. so Victoria i did Argento. this and he's just like i did this big sweeping shot over uh -huh. the actors so their lines would start off screen and then they would end off screen because the camera is passing them by to showcase time passing them by because they're not keeping up with what's happening that's so fucking cool i've got to I've got to watch another one of his movies sometime soon so that I can like pay attention. I would to love to watch something. I want to watch would, the new one. You know, I want to watch. I, I do want to watch the new one. I want to watch The Village with a, like a director's commentary turned on. I just want to know watch, what he has to say. I just want to watch The movies. Village again. I haven't seen The Village. Because like I've got, I feel no, I feel no need to check out Signs again or even to watch yeah. Split a second time personally. Yeah. But like I want to give The Village another shot because I feel like there was a lot of neat stuff to it. I want to watch all of the scenes from Glass that are just the characters from Split. I don't give a shit about the Unbreakable characters. I'm sorry. That's what? That's Bruce Willis, isn't it? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. And Samuel, Samuel L. Jackson. Yeah, I, I never saw that one. I have no idea what it is. It's just like superhero stuff, isn't it? It's uh, it's one of those like kind of our, our superhero. Adjacent. X-Men adjacent, but it's also like a satire. It's like, oh. is it real or is he crazy? And, oh, I don't like that. And okay. that's, and Glass plays into that even more. <laughs> what if he was so crazy that he believed he could climb on walls and had superhuman strength? To be honest, man, if he believes it hard enough that it happens, it's fucking real. I feel like half of <laughs> the difficulty <laughs> of climbing on walls is thinking that you can, right? It's one of those things where it's like the, the difficult part of the task isn't actually doing it. It's making the initiative to do it. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, it's January, um, and we're point, here to talk yeah. about Ouija Origin of Evil. Yeah, my point The most yes. PG-13 movie to PG-13. Movies PG like this should exist. Yeah. But, okay. oh my God, does so, it exist? Movies like this need to exist, but they don't need to be for you. Yes. I sure. think is our yes. hugest yeah. takeaway from this movie, yeah. is that while we didn't audience. care for it, it's not for us. This um, is a great Halloween movie for teenagers having a Halloween party. I great. would totally sure. agree. Yeah. And yeah, I, it works for that. And I would really hope that if they liked this movie, they looked at other Flanagan movies because then, because then the things that they, I solidly think that if you like this movie and you had things you liked about this movie, those things are probably more present and done better in Flanagan's other work. Absolutely, yes. Okay, so while we were having that discussion, I did a quick Google uh, about the production of this movie. And um, just just for for everyone else's reference, uh, my, my hard stance on this podcast for the longest time has been and continues to be, we should not cover sequels, prequels, or remakes before covering the original. And this is kind of breaking with that policy. 
So in order to prepare for watching this movie, I watched the first Ouija movie. And I can say pretty definitively, that was a waste of my goddamn time. <laughs> Holy shit, that movie sucks. However, the whole time that I was watching it, I was like, I know why a sequel to this got made. It's because this movie probably cost about $10 to make. And because Easily. of that, percentage-wise, it probably turned an absolutely massive profit. And that means that the producers in the studio looked at it and said, success, we got to make another one of these. And then they went to Flanagan for it for whatever set of reasons. Okay, so the whatever set of reasons. Okay. Um, real quick, actually, Ouija, the first one, made $103.6 million. That's a pile of money. What, I have no you know idea what, what it was. I'm about to find out, but there's no way it was anywhere that was more than 10% of that take home. Yeah, there's no possible way. I would have it pegged as being under a million dollars budget, honestly. It seems like it did not cost much. Uh, cause I like, I mean, it. like, you know, Insidious costs like $2 million and it's so good, like uh -huh. relative to that, you know? Anyways. Okay. So the first Ouija movie, uh, according to the, I'm, I'm just reading this off of the Wikipedia page. It was a success commercially, but the critical reception was quote, less than stellar. Yeah. Uh, what a sure, what a, a fucking surprise there. Cause that movie goddamn sucked. Five to eight Five million? Five to eight million dollars. What the okay, fuck? Okay. So this How movie did it, made where did all that money go? 20 times. Where did it go? It's made 10 to 20 times its budget back. Which, where? Where? Damn, where that's... was that money in the movie? The movie looks like it cost 15 whole ass dollars. <laughs> it's also so blue. The color it's grading is blue. so blue. It is pretty damn they blue. It's not the ring. Color it's not the ring, but maybe they did spend all that money just on turning it blue. <laughs> which, you know what we're talking about in a hot minute? 4.5 on IMDb. 5% on Rotten Tomatoes. Ooh, 5. 5% fucking okay. sucks. Okay, okay so after though. all of that, basically Jason Blum wanted to make a movie that was incredibly different. He wanted to make something that was a massive departure from the original, and that's why he went to Mike Flanagan, because Mike Flanagan has stated that he is, quote, allergic to sequels. <laughs> I love that. I love this <laughs> you know man with my whole I love heart. that. Oh my god. I okay, mean, you can so, tell honestly by the way that he works. So, that's right? so funny. He always wraps up all his loose ends, so you can't make a sequel. And the one time And then he, he kills his main up, characters half the time. That is also true. <laughs> oh my god. Okay, so Basically, what I'm reading here is Blum went to Flanagan because he knew Flanagan would want to do something really different. Mm -hmm. And the entire intent here was Mike will put his flavor on it and that will make this a better movie than the original was. Damn. That's hilarious. And that's exactly what, what this is. It's literally just another Ouija movie, but it's got the Mike Flanagan thumbprint on it. One thing I will <laughs> say about Blumhouse and Jason Blum in general is that I I rarely ever feel like they're not doing exactly what they intended to do. Yeah, even when the movie sucks, it's like, well, yeah, that's what he was doing. That's... Yeah, that's what they wanted <laughs> from this. They knew what they were going to do. Origin of Evil did unfortunately cost more and make less. Still, Damn. 9 to 12 million cost versus an 81.7 million take home. It's still better. It's yeah, and like, it's off, obviously, obviously a better movie just because it's got the Flanagan stuff in it because we've got Mike Flanagan making the best of a bad movie. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and unfortunately, his best wasn't good enough. Well, well, I mean, there's only so much you can do to polish a turd. Uh-huh. And unfortunately, Ouija's a turd. It's a turd. 
Yeah. Although I will say, I also <laughs> rewatched the first half of Ouija before Jeff made it over here to record today. Yeah. And to me, unless it takes a big dump in the end, they're about equal in in the um in what they are. For me, and I hate to say it, oh, no. the Flanaganism in this film doesn't hit. Really? I think it feels at odds with the shit movie. And there's a, it almost feels like it's trying too hard to be deep. Even though I know that's not the case. I know this is just a classic Flanagan. That's just what he does. Yeah, the stuff that feels like that. Because I know, I know personally exactly what Flanaganism I could tell was Flanagan and I could tell it didn't work for me. Um, Mm -hmm. And I, at the same time, I'm like, I know that he's not trying to be profound. This is just what he thinks is scary. And he's right. It's just not hitting for me right now. In this specific instance, yeah. So, so it seems like we need to, we need to, we need uh, to get through well, the let's, let's talk a little bit about we've the not description done a for this movie. Yeah, we've not even done a non-spoiler summary here. Mm. So, I don't remember any characters' names. If someone could help me out, with uh, Lena is the older sister. Doris is the younger sister. Father I, Tom is Henry. I don't care about Father Tom. I need the mom because that's who I'm talking. about. Uh, I have no idea what her dude, name is. She's was. the mom. Okay, I don't so, know if anybody says her name the entire length of the movie. We can just they definitely find it. Okay, okay. Hold on. Okay. So. I'll find it. So Seance Milf has uh, a job, and it's her, faking her name, seances. It's, it's Elizabeth Reeser, who plays Shirley in The Haunting of Hill House. Yeah. Um, her character is named uh, Alice Xander. So Alice. They call her Mrs. Xander most times. Yeah. So Alice runs a business, and this business is scamming people. She likes to think it's helping, but it is scamming. She's pretending to do a seance where she talks to people and helps them like helps them feel better about their lost loved ones. Uh, we we get to open the movie with her and her kids all working together to just kind of make a dad feel better about losing his wife. But also right. they do a little twist in there where they decide to um, tell him don't invest your money and everything in your daughter's boyfriend's business because. They thought yeah, that this, he like, was trying to rip him off. Yeah, know? there's this weird like subtext, like not subtext, but this little side thing with the opening scene where the daughter is like trying to rip her dad off to scam him out of his money. Yeah, while she complains that this seance lady is scamming them out of their money. Yeah, it's it's, it's really odd. Quite funny. Yeah, uh, quite and funny. and it's at this point that I took my third note right after Blonde Kate. I said, "Oh, it's a well-intentioned scam." Hey, Mike, is it the religious trauma again? Is that what this is? <laughs> Mike. <laughs> but um, what ends up happening is the daughter, Lana? Lena? Lena. Lena. Thank you. Lena goes to a a party where she and her friends drink and use a Ouija board. Dun, dun, dun. And they just have a little bit of fun. They just goof around. But we hear our three rules to the movie. Never play alone. Never play in a graveyard. Always say goodbye. Not in that order. And these are just the instructions that are in the box with the Ouija board. They are in that order, actually. I was going to say. I'm so good at this. <laughs> I thought it was out of order, but uh, I was wrong. Anyway. No, out here doubting himself. Yeah, I'll never doubt myself yourself. again. <laughs> this <will> not, <laughs> there's no way this could go poorly. Um, so, firstly... In our, in our little side thing, they do break the first rule. They get scared, and they never say goodbye to the Ouija board. Dun-dun. Uh, but that does not play into any of the rest of the movie, so don't worry. Yeah, that's not the point where the, the deadly mistake is made. However, though, 
We do then go home after her mom picks her up and she's like, I can smell you've been drinking. I'm mad about what you've been doing, sneaking away from home. And she's like, whatever. Anyway, we played with a Ouija board. You should add it to your act. It might work well. And the mom decides to get one and she plays it alone. Dun, dun. But a bomb. And but she also doesn't say goodbye. She doesn't well, say goodbye. Well, and like, to her credit, she's not taking it seriously at all because she knows that she's a scam artist. She knows that this stuff doesn't work. Exactly. So she, when she does it, she's literally just testing out how she's going to fake it for the people who come in. Yeah, she's testing using like knee levers to move a magnet or to keep it moving like to the yes or the no or something like I that. I think you it's know? magnets, yeah. Because she, earlier in the movie, she showed, like, a hook that she puts her shoe in to shake the table and stuff yeah. like that. You know, it's it's cool stuff. You know, it's it's neat. Yeah, she's got, like, a little, like... how she runs the scam. Yeah, she's got, like, a device inside the table that, like, lights and extinguishes the candles. It's cool. It's neat. Yeah. Cool, good stuff. Um, unfortunately, when she uses the Ouija board, it, show, it connects immediately to Doris. And she's talking. She's like, so is anyone here? And suddenly Doris goes like, whoa, yes, I'm here. In a and completely different room of the house. And yeah. you have Alice downstairs going, what's your name? And upstairs, Doris is like, Marcus. And all this fun stuff. And then she's like, well, I guess this doesn't work. And I think, uh, yeah, because downstairs. No, no, I'm, I'm just, are we just still like, just doing the spoiler brief yeah, summary? Yes. Okay. Alice is like, oh, I guess it doesn't work. But as we all know, because I said that it was channeling through Doris, it yeah. do be working. Yeah, we all saw something else happen. And we're going to pick up this summary here after this, because this is this is uh, the tipping moment of the movie. Um, so yeah, yeah um, we got Critical, we got us, and since you're both in this room with me, you could see the Critical, but I'm going to say it out loud anyway. Some good, of these numbers look good, home. some of these numbers look a little high. IMDB, we got a 6.2. Yeah. Um, shall we, fair, fair, uh, fair. A little high, I think. Um, Rotten Tomatoes, we got an 83. That's high. L- really high, really but it's, high. It's it, due to the way that Rotten Tomatoes works. It's, you know, it's, it's different, whatever. Yeah. Uh, Metacritic is a 6.5 or 65. 65 is a... Percent, yeah. Yeah, 65%, a little bit high. Yeah, it's a, it's a little bit high, yeah. Uh, Letterbox is a 2.9 out of 5, which, uh, gets to a 58 out of 100, which is kind of like with the 6.2, I think we're right about there. This is, for me, a very clean 5 out of 10. I feel like I could not possibly give it anything higher than a 5. I'm tempted to go as low as a 3, personally, because, like... I, I think it's just that my expectations of Mike are inflated. That's and fair. And th- that makes this movie, being the way that it is, such a letdown that okay. I want to give it a really disparaging score. I respect I'm that. going to give it a 4.5. Okay. For, for me, it's a five because there's another podcast that really hates this movie that I personally like. <coughs> yeah. Bless you. <coughs> That's Bless a weird you, name for a podcast. And the movie is The Autopsy of Jane Doe. They Ooh. have that as their center number movie. Oh, yeah. An aggressively mid-movie in their opinion, personally. You talking about Dead and Lovely? I am talking about Dead and Lovely. Yeah, the I, fivest five, as they call it. I can't it. believe that they think that movie is the fivest five, personally. I... Have you seen it? I've got to watch it again sometime. It's been a little while, but I remember mostly pretty enjoying it. It's I think a, it's pretty good. It's a strong it's seven, very, week like, eight for me. It's very atmospheric. Is yeah. the thing, and I really like that. I, I think, really like that. Yeah, I think you'd really like it on a second viewing. But I feel like I will. But. For me, this is the fivest five. This you is okay. an incredibly inoffensive movie, with the exception of one part. 
This is so by the numbers possession in or child possession in a Catholic school movie. This like see to me if I'm thinking chi- like a child possession in a Catholic school movie. If I want to watch a good one, I'm probably more likely to reach for Black Coat's Daughter than this. No, but that's the thing is I'm not calling this a good one. Sure, I'm sure. calling this the fivest five. Sure. of child possession Catholic movies. What about uh, what was it uh, the Exorcism of uh, Emily Rose? Uh, slightly more positive because Ooh. she's not a, this is school kid in Catholic school. Okay. Yeah. She's older in that one. Yeah. Okay. I got you. I got you. Yeah. What is it? Um, Veronica is a better example of what I'm looking for. I feel like Veronica is the better Ouija movie. Honestly, Veronica is the better Ouija between movie. this, the first Ouija movie and Veronica. I would watch Veronica again. Me too. Flip side. We're not here to talk about Veronica. Not which this is time. No. Worth checking out. It's not the hype say. that Netflix built it up to, oh, people are dying think, in the I theaters. Think, I think everybody knows. Everybody knows that that was ridiculous and inflated, right? Yeah. And we found out as soon as we watched it because we're like, holy shit, the scariest movie ever. Yeah, we just took it as a challenge and then we watched it and we were underwhelmed like everybody else. <laughs> but yeah, it's a fun Ouija movie. Yeah, that isn't it's in the Ouija line. I think it's better than this one. I think it's better than this one too. I, I would Which is why far. I'm going to say that this movie, for me... A five. In this category especially, mm. is just a very middling movie. See... Which is why it's so disappointing. Because other yeah. movies, if I rated it a five, I'd be like, yeah, it's a five. That's not bad. But because, like Jeff said, I love Flanagan's work. Right. This movie's being a five, it feels like a personal slight. Like, come on, Mike. Yeah. Why'd you do this to me? Why'd you take a job for a check? Like everyone else does. Yeah, and once again, <laughs> it, we can't overlook, this is the worst Mike Flanagan movie, I think. Yeah. Because Before I Wake, I think, is just a touch better than this. And Before I Wake isn't, like, great. Mm-hmm. Nina, how do you rate this movie, by the way? Yeah, it's extremely mid. About yeah. halfway through, I, I, like, I went to go to the bathroom. And I was like, no, how do you feel about this? And he was like, eh, I'm like, it's mid. It's mid. And, it's mid, yeah. And by being the definition of mid, it's a five. It's a five. Yeah. I think it went on for too long, and that could pull it, it down to a four point five. Just a touch. But it's an it's a weirdly long ninety eight minutes. I feel like it's just long enough and just bad enough that finishing it, I feel like it has wasted my time, and that's what puts it below a five for me. I don't feel like it wasted my time any more than other. Well, you know what? Okay, I watch a lot of not that great movies. Um, different standards i suppose well i mean so do i actually so so maybe i don't feel like it wasted my time because if i watched it a second time i would i started watching it a second time earlier today i didn't quite finish it (laughs) for some reason i never well i know no not for some reason we just sucks all right it's bad i think the first one the first one's probably i give it a two i probably give it a four from what i'm i've seen so far (laughs) in my 50 percent rewatch yeah it's a four yeah but like so this is better Sure. It's not as much better as, like, the ratings would imply. But also, I don't think the other one deserved a 5% on Rotten Tomatoes. Just Um, like I don't think this one deserves an 83%. I wouldn't have given it the 5% on Rotten Tomatoes, but I'm not going to argue with it. Well, yeah. I I mean, I'm not a critic. They won't listen to me. Well, that's that's, (laughs) there's also that. We're getting into the weeds here. Do we want to get into the spoilers and such? I think we need to... um, I think we need to hit the content warnings first. Right, the content warnings. Shit. And I didn't write any down, so I'm gonna I'm gonna either. open up with a biggie. Uh, and this is a movie spoiler. Yeah. But this is also an important one. This is a secret Holocaust movie. There's like up the plot point is that one of the ghosts is an escaped Holocaust survivor, and it turns out that the villain of the movie, well, the 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 partial villain was an old like Nazi doctor. They called him the Devil's Doctor or Doctor Devil. 
Doctor Satan. Doctor, Doctor Satan from yeah. House. Doctor yeah. <laughs> Satan's in Dr. this movie. Satan. No, let's really, not be mean to Doctor Satan. He's really a kind of a does, nice guy. I love Doctor Satan. It really does come out of nowhere, and it's not ha- handled with like any of the gravity. Like, no, it's they bring up the fact like they're it's talking like a throwaway about, almost. Yeah, yeah, it could have been anything that happened in this basement, but they literally like because it's yeah. set in the '60s, I guess, mm. which is really a really weird choice because it is set in the '60s, but those bones look like they've been there for fucking ever. Yeah. <laughs> so, I actually I did the math. Um, if this is set in the '60s and the war ended in the '40s, they might have bought this house from the Nazi doctor. Oh, oh my god, like, <laughs> that's a really good point. There Ooh. is there is a decent chance you know what? Because it's not like the guy yeah. would have sold it and moved. Yeah, because like well, and also like it from um, him. Father Tom makes reference to that one nun who is like Polish, and he says yeah. that she moved to America during the war. Quote. Also, so the, it's the, kind of established like there are yeah. people surviving World War II that are like. Present in the community in this movie. Yeah. Yeah. Oh fuck. The nun comes in because um, later in the movie (laughs) we're still we're still in the content warnings, but this is important. Uh. And um, the nun deciphers these diaries written in Polish that possessed Doris wrote, and the diary talks about this kid who's in a concentration camp, gets freed by the Allies, moves to America, and then sees everyone's least favorite. Nazi doctor from the concentration camp is working at a mental hospital in America. The and Nazi doctor kidnaps the kid from the mental hospital and then tortures him and kills him in his own basement. Yeah. And stuffs him in the wall. And there's a number of other people that he did this to as well. Yeah. Like um, I, I feel like they could have gone for something more like a like a insidious sequel style serial killer plot. Right. It like, seems like that might have been a nicer. touch more sense, except that it would have felt even more derivative. Yeah, because this one already <laughs> felt pretty derivative of yeah. nothing in particular, but just in general. But that is a that's a huge content warning that we need you to know that there is like that's the like the secondary plot twist of the movie is that there was a Nazi doctor. Yeah. Real weird. Beyond that, we're looking at possession, we're looking at child death and endangerment. Yeah. Um, also spoiler there. <laughs> yeah, but that's um, like, that's kind of it. I feel like that's kind of it, yeah. Because unfortunately, once again, it's an incredibly PG-13 movie. Very, very it's, PG-13. There's not a lot of blood. There's not a lot of direct violence. There's a hanging. Um, I guess actually that's a biggie. There is... There is a hanging. There is a hanging, which you is a suicide. You don't... Well, no, it's not. Well, it's a possession-based suicide. I don't really count. You, we don't see him, like, tie it on himself. Yeah, we don't we see, just okay. see him fall down and get caught by the rope on his neck. Like, that's... But, like, uh, for for what it's worth, that could sure. still count for uh, many could, situations. Yeah, yeah, where adding the possession in makes it puts that big, well, technically, kind of angle. Sure. But... I didn't perceive It all happens off-screen, yeah. so... There's nothing grody that happens. Even the trademark Flanagan fucked up hand is just like a quick oh, yeah, and then really we move on. Up. It's 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 really not not so much what you'd expect from a typical Flanagan hand. There, there's, there's okay. We gotta get into it. We have to. Oh my god. Do you have another content warning? No. Okay. Oh damn. No, it's it's really just it's a really PG thirteen horror movie. Yeah, very. It's so, not quite as PG thirteen as the first one was. Oh well. 
I'll take your word for it. Yeah. I'm the only one here who hasn't even kind of. I no, watched maybe that is like. True. It'd be a waste of your time. I'm I glad either that you watched. I think I watched your movie sucks or someone similar do a review on the first Ouija movie because you were describing the premise and I'm like I know this story. Well, yeah, so. it's a Ouija. Every movie that's centered around Ouija boards and stuff is kind of the same, right? It's why we're talking Super. about Veronica. Yeah. It, if you've seen one Ouija board movie, you've seen them all, basically. And Veronica yeah. is the best of the ones I've seen. The haunting possession genre is not super varied, and everyone making those movies knows it. Yeah. but And honestly, that once again, that's fine. Sometimes sure. just new movies of the same shtick is good. Sure. It's just that, unfortunately, looking back, this was a movie that was put out, and it sure was a movie, and that's about it. Yeah. So, the rest of the movie. Let me give you the plot, because Emma's not here to give the scary rating. Although, what, what will be... What would we predict on this one? Like zero. A, zero, um, probably. I'm yeah. going to say a zero. Not scary. It's not a scary movie. If you are afraid of possession specifically, then conceptually, you're not even watching this movie. If, if the you idea are afraid of, um, of possession from a Ouija board. Yeah. If uh, if the idea of Mike Flanagan making a bad movie scares you, 10 out of 10, it's scary. Uh, easily. Easily. <laughs> but I think if we're actually looking at this, if you are a horror movie fan. Yeah. And you are like, I like to watch horror movies. This is the most bog standard. Yeah, that's a horror movie, I guess. Movie you can watch. It is not scary. This is the kind of movie that people point Actually, to oh, when you know they're what? talking about how they think all horror movies suck. There is one They're bit talking about this one. That <laughs> might hit you, and it's the stretched mouth thing, the CGI big mouth. Oh, does that, that get people? It does be getting people. I mean, okay. it's a huge thing for The Ring, too. Like, that was like the slack jaw, bleh, big mouth. The Ring has so much other stuff going on in that shot. It does, but like, uh. <laughs> that kind of stuff, if that scares you, sure. But, like, for this is... If you're scared of kids in general, it might get you I a guess. little bit. But, like, huh. but, anyway, here's the rest of the movie. Because Alice forgot to say goodbye on the fucking Ouija board and was playing alone... Against now, two rules. Against two rules. And um, you may remember in the content warnings, we mentioned there's a bunch of dead people in the walls. Graveyard. Uh, so it's a graveyard also. All three rules were broken here. This uh, this news is broken in a very cliche line delivery toward the end of the movie. Which, uh, yeah, so uh, Lena says, we played it on a graveyard. Dun, dun, dun. Which, <laughs> if you think about the fact that the movie is about a Ouija board, it makes sense. But if you're in the moment like me going... What do you mean? What did you, what you play? Mean you played in a you, what do you mean? Do you mean like as kids you were playing in a house that's a great? No, no, no they're playing. talking about using the Ouija <laughs> this board. This movie is such a like such a bog standard fucking possession movie. You will yeah. forget that the Ouija board is in it. Yeah. Yes, fully. It, it leaves entirely. In I the, thought the Ouija board was going to be such a big part of this movie, and then it just fucking was. Yeah, fifty percent of the way through the movie, the board <laughs> disappears, and it's not a it's not an element anymore. It just doesn't come back. Yeah, the ghosts are One, here. It becomes and a regular. Vibing. Yeah, it just becomes a possession and exorcism movie. So let's see. Um, Doris is possessed. Doris causes some bully at school to shoot himself in the face point blank with a slingshot. Which is the most disappointing PG-13 moment oh, in this movie. It's... Oh, see, I thought it was the funniest scene in the movie. Well, yeah. I thought it was hilarious oh, it was the whole very time. Funny. It was like, so funny. As he goes to pull the slingshot back, you can tell it's not, like, stretching a lot. This slingshot is weak as hell. But then when she, like, gives him the devil stare and he turns it around and faces it toward himself, he's, like, panicking the whole time and he's shaking and he's like, oh my god, I'm not doing it. Oh. And, and then, then there's you like hear a the snap. Splat. Yeah, it cuts away, and you hear the meaty splat, and he's, like, screaming bloody murder, and everyone's, like, freaking out about it. But all I can think is, like, 
was. So he got it's like, like smacked you know, in the face with right, a Right, like he's got like, a bad welt on. Yeah, like his nothing forehead. could happen. The worst that could happen is it went into his eye. Yeah, yeah. which like I the, think is what's being implied. Right? Yeah. Well, like, we wouldn't know because unfortunately, the movie never returns to it. We don't even hear like an offhanded comment saying it's not and even after mentioned. what ha- happened to your that child at school. I'm just a little worried. It's not even discussed. Yeah, what the hell's with that? Yeah, so. Um, you know, Doris is using her powers to defend herself, and once her mom realizes that she can actually use the Ouija board to and defend talk herself to the dead, and to do her homework, important note. Yeah, to do her homework too well. She, the ghosts are it's literally suspicious. helping yes. her with her homework. Yeah, the, Father Tom at one point comes this over saying, "Well, this could have been a well, great comedy. Honestly, which, are you helping her with her homework?" <laughs> and Alice is like, "Oh, shoot, I'm sorry. I could be helping more." And I guess she's doing it alone. I should help more. Do you want me to? And he's like, well, unless she learned cursive, someone else is doing it. It's these like, it's like 10 pages of perfect cursive homework. Yeah. It's quite funny if we're being honest. The ghost literally, and they do it correctly because it's not like the ghost is actually like helping Doris with her homework. Yeah. I think that's so funny because later on we find out that these ghosts are not just like holocaust victims being weirdly evil they're like mingled with demons in the afterlife somehow yeah Yeah. so these demon fucking ghosts are help they never make a remark that's like oh that looks weirdly like because their dad's a fresh ghost so it's like oh maybe it's the dad but they never make a comment like oh that almost looks like her dad's like handwriting it's Mm -hmm. it's little (laughs) things that could have done so much work yeah Oh, also the dad is dead. The dad is so dead that they will not shut up about it. He's so dead. He's we see super him, dead. We see him in a photograph once at the front end of the movie, and then we don't even see the picture again. He's so dead. Yeah, he's in a flashback at the end, and he doesn't even look like the photograph, if we're being completely honest. I forgot the flashback happened, honestly. This God, this movie. Ugh. All right, let's, let's get out of this summer. So, <laughs> let's see. Um, boyfriend comes over. And is delivered an intense monologue about, do you know what it's like to be strangled? Which I'm going to let is, Jeff talk about later. This is the best scene in the movie right here. <laughs> I got I don't agree. And I can't, <laughs> can't wait to talk about it in a minute. But, you know, um, then we get Father, uh, not Father Paul, Father Tom. Oh, the planet who is, uh, <laughs> Father Tom is just like, oh. I wish oh, it were Father Paul. I'm, I wish it was Father Paul. He came over and he's like, I'm going to take Thomas you up on that. Okay, Sorry. Sorry, for <laughs> Pining for a better priest. He comes over, says, I'll take you up on that seance, actually, that reading. And he sits there and pretends. Because well, his wife is dead and they his offered wife to do dead. a reading for him so he could talk to her. And he was like, no, because I'm a priest. So <laughs> he sits there and thinks the wrong answers, but his mind is being read. So, like, the wrong answers are given. Or he's thinking nothing, and when nothing can be uh, divined from him by reading his, like, surface-level thoughts, the ghost just tries to, like, change the subject on him. You know, just be like, I don't want to talk about that kind of attitude. And he's like, I lied. That was my mother's name, not my wife's name. Stuff like that. And then they, you know, he's like, he didn't even need to do that, firstly, because the fucking Polish diary that was brought to him well he's like okay i had to test her to make sure because the bible says to test all spirits whether or not they're from the lord john 4 1 yeah and then he's shows the shows marcus the holocaust victims journal and yeah it is important that in the in the journal also marcus notes that there's dark beings out here in the cold 
and they're taking over who he is. Also, I, I didn't realize this until just now. I don't know if he's trying to do this to warn them, but if he's possessed, why did he why did he have Doris write all this down? That's a great question. It's, also, yeah, it, ghost okay, so, possessing a ghost is funny. It so, is. like, it's, yeah, it, it kind of seems like if they're giving the the land of the living the diary and such, and it's like, you know, it's a, I, I think one of the cooler aspects of this movie is that, like, the diary goes up to the point of his death, and then it continues afterward. Very conceptually That's very, cool. very neat on a conceptual level. Not executed in a very cool way, but it's a cool idea. But, like, it's, it's really weird that it's so inconsistent. Like, are the ghosts trying to contact the living? to warn them of a problem or are they just trying to do evil stuff yeah, are they here to it's never are they like contacting you to scare you which is what they're doing or are they contacting you to help you which is also what they're doing yeah it's really there's a lot of and i i mentioned i'll mention a specific line that stood out to me later but there's a lot of stuff in this movie that is very paint by numbers as they want it to sound cool they want it to be a cool reveal they want to have a cool moment so they write things that do not make sense within the world of the of the story that they've written. Yeah. Also, the more we're talking about it, this movie is just very similar to Insidious in a lot of ways. And I'm I all the it's Insidious the haters in the aspect, crowd, I suppose. Yeah. Insidious is better. It, absolutely, oh, yeah. absolutely. And I think honestly, I think for me, it's because James Wan does goofy movies like this concept better than Flanagan does. Yeah. Flanagan does good movies. Yeah. I, but James I, Wan makes weird, goofy movies, and he can get away with weird, goofy science in his movies for those reasons. Whereas Flanagan's right, movies, yeah. they're a little bit more grounded traditionally. We're so close to done with the summary. I'm sorry. Okay, I'm sorry. Yes. Anyway. Yeah, we got. Um, <laughs> we yeah, can get so, into more general discussion. But. Also, I forgot to mention this earlier. Um, but Doris did use the board alone, thinking she was talking to her dad. But it turns out it was Marcus. Maybe she was also talking to her dad. Yeah, this is another is thing there. that they fucking do. Is they're like, yeah, it's never they, really... they never and your dad. She said things that only the dad would know. Blah blah blah. And then the sisters like, oh, but it's that because it's those because happened in the house. Yeah. But we see later. Un, in no uncertain terms that the dad was there. Yes. So I'm going to choose to believe that that is intentional and that it was just Lena jumping to conclusions and okay. that the dad did talk through yeah. Doris early okay. on. Okay. Um, because he's there. So yeah, there's sort no of reason a, why I wouldn't We're been. getting multiple lines of thought because we're getting multiple ghosts. Kind yeah, of. exactly. Okay. And multiple characters. I would accept that, movies. except the movie does a really poor job of <laughs> presenting that. Oh, yeah. Very much so. So I, you can literally believe the best or the worst of Mike in this specific situation. Yeah, it doesn't matter. Wh whichever way you want to go, you They're can both equally possible, yeah. yeah. Anyways, let's finish the synopsis. So, uh, let's see. Father comes over. He's like, oh, this is a ghost. This is a demon possession. The Vatican has people for this. I'll contact them for an exorcism. Honestly, the scariest line in the movie where he's just like, the Vatican has people that handle this. That, yeah. I'll contact yeah. the diocese about it. Yeah. God, what a... Immediately jump to the Pope about it. Why don't you? Um, I love that because it shows you how serious he genuinely believes yeah, he it is. Yeah, he's taking it seriously, which yeah. is very cool. Also, something consistently hilarious about possession movies is that the, the Catholic Church literally just has an exorcism division and it's just a part of the bureaucracy of the Catholic Church. Where they're just like, well, we don't really do this They're anymore. just like, okay, I'll just call the exorcism guys and they'll send a, a, a guy over on Monday. And... Honestly, no, the funniest <laughs> part is that that is really how it is, though. 
does the church actually have an exorcism? Maybe tradition? not as actively anymore, but that was like a whole big part of it. They're like, well, we take the spiritual shit seriously, don't we? We're is the that Catholic the, church. Is that what the whole thing is with that new movie with Russell Crowe in it? The Pope's Exorcist? No idea. Is, anyway. the, is there actually a Pope's Exorcist? Probably not. Not for the Pope. There's just, it doesn't matter. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, they end up going to the basement to burn the Ouija board. Uh, of course, they burn it and then it comes back because that's a mainstay of this movie and every Ouija board movie that's ever existed. They get burned and they come back. This movie, last movie, every other movie that will ever be made. Yeah. You burn the board and it reappears like every haunted item in the world. The slasher killer gets stabbed and then he gets back up. Chucky comes back after you throw him away. Freddy pretends to disappear and he comes back for another movie. Jason has a bag now, but he's still here. You know, it's... <laughs> Uh, um, they burn Michael the board, disappears. but Doris is missing. <laughs> Doris is missing and killed Lena's boyfriend. But the mom's like, Lena, listen, we gotta, we gotta find your sister. You don't have time to care about your dead boyfriend. This is serious. And we never have an emotional thought about that boyfriend again. He, it just never comes back. They end up going down <laughs> to the basement again because they hear noises down there or something. And they're like, oh, here she is. Maybe, um, they get scared, they get separated, the father gets possessed because he finds the secret torture room, but then he comes up and he's like, no, I'm a man of God, I'm better than this, I don't want to scare the woman I'm interested in, and then yeah, immediately like, gets killed. Yeah, he like manages to swallow the possession down for a minute after acting all weird for a minute or two. Yeah. And then... Uh, also, Flanagan uses the same possession eyes in this and Dr. Sleep. He a does. cool feature. Yeah. Um, let's see. Oh, the way he is... plays it in this one is actually kind of neat. I'm going to get into a bunch of stuff that I find neat visually in this Excited movie. Excited to hear but... about it. But yeah, it the movie has me. at the As soon as Father Tom steps into the building, the movie has me. I'm like, the hooks are in. I'm like, I like this movie now. He's cool. I like him. And as soon as he dies, yeah. I don't care anymore because the movie's on fast forward. We get bungee jumping dead boyfriend coming down and grabbing Lena, throwing her to the top of the stairs. God, that was so funny. The ghost saying, I'll have all of you. And <laughs> like, uh. it, it ends up culminating with the mom chained to the torture table in the basement. Yeah. Lena sews Doris's mouth shut and kills her. Kills her, yeah. By sewing her mouth shut because that's earlier in the movie when her doll's mouth was shown, sewn shut, it turns out it was their dad trying to stop the evil influence by sewing the mouth shut. Yeah. Unfortunately. And that like ties into the stuff the Nazi doctor had done. He like sewed yeah. people's mouths shut. It was like thematic or something, which doesn't sound like a good way to end things, but whatever. Um, Doris's mouth is sewn shut and it kills her, but Lena's just possessed enough to kill her own mom. Doris's body cannot be found, which I assumed it was just because it was in the hidden basement, but it also is implied that like she's still active and the sewing mouth did nothing. Kind of. Um, the mom is definitively dead, though. And it turns out this entire movie has been running in Lena's head because a doctor was like, where is your mother's body or where is your sister's body? Because she's in a psych ward because she killed her mom. And they're like, we need to find your sister's body. And oh, yeah, my mom might know. And she's like, and the doctor's like, once again, your mom is dead. You killed her. Do you have a better answer than that kind of attitude? Yeah. Uh, she makes a Ouija board out of her own blood in her bedroom and summons the summons her sister or whatever, and the movie ends. Ugh, bad ending. And then there's a post credit scene with Lin Shay, which is their tie together from the first movie. Yeah, I didn't stick around for that. I Actually, the first movie was so bad, I didn't even remember Lin Shay being in it. 
If we're being honest, if you couldn't tell it was supposed to be a series based on the fact that Flanagan mirrors every single fucking establishing room shot from the first movie to show where the house layout is. He does that, yeah. Then I don't know how to help you. If I, I mean this respectfully, it's so clearly a sequel that the, if there's people that didn't think they were connected by some happenstance, you're dumb. They're very clearly connected. You're talking about me, because, like... You're dumb. Literally, when I was watching it, I felt like these movies are entirely unconnected, apart from the fact that they both tangentially involve a Ouija board. And are in the same house? And apparently it's the same house, yeah. Oh, it's very... Well, do you mean apparently because you didn't notice, or because... I, yeah, it's I the same feel set. like I didn't notice it because the first movie was so bad, I couldn't even pay close attention to it. Because I watched them Which in is really, order. really uncommon for me that's that's fair <laughs> i watch them in reverse order um okay. which is to say prequel sequel instead of sequel prequel right, release right, right. order uh which made those type of shots much more obvious but sure sure anyway yeah. here we are in the movie which uh all these things that we're saying you can see flanagan's hand on this because the man is a very distinct director oh oh yeah you can, he's got his stuff that is in all everything that he makes yeah you can see the man from a mile away and it's so oh, yeah. much of a bummer to see such a sanitized version of what this man puts out because we have i mean jeff was talking about it earlier we have the flanagan hit points where we oh, yeah. have henry thomas in there we have the glowing eyes we have the fucked up hand we have a troubled family dynamic we but have, like but it's all like the most milk toast version yeah. of all of these yes. characters it's his worst glowing eye effect for sure yeah the I'm... glowing eye effect in before i wake is way way better than this shit also it's so funny that he just does it because it's hard to do and he does it as a flex I love, I love that and it looks so cool i mean we're not it's cool. not it's not confirmed that that's the whole reason i think it's probably just that he thinks glowing eye effects are very cool to be they with. are very cool he's, he's correct right. the way that he does it is the best usually yeah except mm -hmm. then there's this movie where it's like shit mike it's flanagan so if you're out there please adapt my book i will i will do, <laughs> I will do anything the longer that we've done flanuary the more i've been like like Come on, Mike. Oh, it's a religious book mike, it's a religious book and i think it's really good and who, it's got glowing eyes and two characters who would henry thomas play uh he could play marlo oh fuck i would love to see henry thomas's like marlo. We, just, we said raw Polly, oh. and that was a and that was a good one oh, as that well could be good. they both could uh yeah. there are other characters either that of either really of them could play coley would play the cult leader Oh, he would. He'd probably the, 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 yeah, I wouldn't be opposed, but yeah. there's a lot of. I don't know. Come on. I feel like we'd have to Trying depart to from a lot of the, Kate Seagal. The Flanacast would have to take a step back. Kate Siegel plays Harriet. I am not taking notes. That is. Why take notes on a correct opinion? Yeah. Okay, I Just, could see it. Yeah, yeah. be a little evil. Let's a little let evil. Kate be evil. Come on, Mike. Let Kate be evil. Come on, Mike. Okay, but let's let's. Or, anyway, he did. He has said actually. Mike did say that in uh, Fall of House Usher, Kate's work in that is different from anything he's ever seen her do. Please say that I'm that so means she's bad. Fingers crossed. I hope she's I, evil. <laughs> she was a little evil in Bly Manor, but she was, she was yeah, tangentially she was evil in Bly Manor. Bitchy. She had been wronged in Bly Manor. <laughs> she, Okay, anyway. Blind Manor's just like world's biggest bitch is a bitch after death. Okay, cool. I'm not surprised. <laughs> <laughs> 
and I love that for her. Anyway, um, so I want to I want to talk about this. The have you ever? Do you know what it's like to be strangled to death? Scene. But I like that. Scene. First, I want to talk about my least favorite line in the whole movie, which I've is got several written not down that expected. I, hate. Uh... I don't think it's the one you th- that you any of the ones you'll think it is. My least favorite line in the whole movie. I don't even know it verbatim. It's when she goes and brings Father Tom. Lena goes and brings Father Tom the letters in Polish. Mm-hmm. And she's like, Doris wrote these. And he's like, that's kind of fucked up. Are you sure? Did you see her writing them? And uh-huh. Lena's like, yeah, I did. And then as she's on her way out uh, the door, yes. he's like, what are these? And, and she's she like, says, hopefully nothing, yeah, Father. And yeah. it's like, you know what they are. Yeah, that's you just had okay. a whole conversation about my, it. I think my least favorite line in this movie is either my mother was a fortune teller or... That was bad. <laughs> Or, um, oh, here we go. From the end, I had to, to stop the voices. Fuck all the way off with that shit-ass line. I fucking hate it. There's so much stop the voices talk in this movie, and I fucking hate it. It's I so bad. Like Those lines are never that good. At all. They I sucked. Um, that sucked. I didn't like the monologue about what happens when you get strangled to death because it's very clearly Flanagan. This is the most Flanagan part Flanagan. of the movie. Yeah. Um, the yeah. it, it's very out of place with the rest of the movie. Oh, you think so? I definitely do. Okay, but okay, I see that. Yeah, it is yeah, the yeah. creepiest part, and I I told I said I wasn't gonna do this, but I am gonna do this a little bit. The the delivery really tweaked me out. I don't know why. Oh, I like the delivery. It's on that a one. sensory thing for oh. me. I think she did. She does this whenever she's pos- like possessed and talking to the boyfriend. She leads into the line like this, and I think that this is how I'll talk. And when and she does that on oh. every line through the whole monologue. And I get that she's a kid actor, okay. and it's a spooky monologue. It's kind of like a half Shatner at that point. It, it is similar to Shatler. Shat Shatler. It's similar to Shatner. <laughs> But yeah, no, that's that's all. Okay, that's okay. literally the big problem that I had was once I noticed it, I could not turn off the part of my brain that was noticing it. Um, and that really put me off of the cool like kind of concept behind it of because this is something yeah. this is something that Flanagan does that I don't think we've talked about during Flanuary is he will have his characters do we've talked about the monologues, but we haven't talked about what they are. Um, they are basically descriptions of like philosophical or physical like concepts that that you need to really buy into yeah um in order to get the desired effect um there's the scene in midnight mass where they're talking about what happens after death and it's a really long monologue about well both times that it happens right because it happens twice right (laughs) and it's really good because it's such an emotional climax for the character doing it yeah and it's also it also encapsulates all the themes of the show and it makes you and and it's something that applies to you as a human like it's something that's a very human fear and it's something that is comforting and scary at the same time right yeah um and also it like highlights the difference between mm -hmm. um uh why can't i think of their names riley and aaron Aaron, yeah the things that they focus on in the after death situation the way riley is so like 
material in the way that he looks at things it's all about his body decomposing and stuff whereas with Aaron it's all like cosmic and emotional oh and it's so good <laughs> and it, it's so good and but with this one it is again the kind of like washed out version of this and then although it is a description of what it's like to be murdered ultimately, yeah no which it, is dark as hell but yeah no it's fun yeah and I and I like it um it's just it did not hit for me at all. And honestly, kind of was the tipping point for me where I was like, okay, sometimes the stuff I like about Flanagan is not good. Oh, fair enough. Okay, yeah, sure. If you're shoehorning monologues into absolutely everything that you make, they're not all going to be winners. Right, and th that's It's easy okay. for a monologue to go wrong. But if you had asked me before I watched this movie... If I thought Flanagan's monologues were any in any way ever annoying, I would have beat your head in. You would have laughed I, at the question. I would have been like, how could you say that? He writes good monologues, I, the best. Ask I, anybody, he writes the best monologues. His monologues have changed my life. <laughs> Legitimately, they have like changed really? my way of thinking. Honestly, the Midnight Mass ones make me cry every yes. time. The, the Blind the Manor ones, ones fuck me Outside up. of context make me cry. Yeah, they don't even need the context of the show. It so, just gets you. So this this movie has done something in its in its own way profound. Which is <laughs> <laughs> Once again, the most sanitized Flanagan we could get, and it's so sad. It is. It's uh, interesting because it's made me. I think it's almost like a like a really good um, like reality check of mm. like he's not. There's nothing wrong with him, but he is one person who has things that he does kind of like how after looking at several Van Gogh paintings you're kind of like I get the idea I get it swirly boy you like swirls no you leave swirly boy alone I love those paintings <laughs> they're gorgeous and I, I love like swirls. I love all of them but like you know they're is that Uzumaki <laughs> <laughs> Junji Ito, no. Junji, you get here. So, um, but yeah, no. That's that's just something that, about this movie that I've realized is that like it's it's not terrible, but it definitely was a kind of tipping point for me. I obviously Mike Flanagan is still one of my favorite. Oh yeah, oh, like yeah. creatives of my like that is alive in my lifetime yeah um this movie is a career misstep that was honestly inevitable as Everyone far as career misstep missteps it's go, so much it's better so than it could be better. it's I'm so say, much better i don't think it's a career misstep this okay. is just a hey mike do you want a paycheck we, yeah and he said yeah sure and they're like cool fix our ouija movie and he's like oh fuck okay and <laughs> he worked movie. with what he had yeah this and is he the made best a he could do movie. with a bad movie yeah, yeah. That he really did like the the strangulation monologue outside of this movie chilling even inside this inside movie this I still movie, like it but... great for Jeff yeah not for me <laughs> wow and like thanks for that if you think it's deep good for you <laughs> I think one of my other problems with the strangulation monologue was that I didn't care about the boyfriend at all and I oh. knew he was oh not the for boyfriend a moment was just not there to be killed I knew moment. he was just knew there to die and I knew how, and after the monologue, I knew how he was going to die. I was like, I think I'm done with this character. You can just hang him now. I know you're going to do, do know, it. So. Okay, so 
on on my rewatch today, do you guys mind if I go on a tangent about Please. something really stupid that doesn't matter in this movie? I would love it. The boyfriend's first line uh -oh. speaking when he is introduced at the party in the beginning, he's talking about why it's not possible for people to land on the moon. Oh god, oh, it yeah, was that so was so funny. funny. Because this movie is set in 1967. Okay, but then this made me notice a bunch of shit for the entire rest of the movie. The T anytime that the TV is on, right, and Doris is watching it, it's it is playing one of two things. It is either news coverage about astronauts, which there is a lot of moon landing talk in this movie for some goddamn reason. Yeah. I don't know what the deal is with that. If it's is is it like an oblique reference to the shining? I don't fucking <laughs> That'd be know. Hilarious. <laughs> But there is a ton of moon landing and astronaut talk in this movie. Every time that the TV is on, half of the time, it is news coverage about astronauts and when it is predicted that we will land on the moon, because mm -hmm. once again, it's 1967, it hasn't happened yet. Or it's this like really old Lizzie Borden movie. There are at least two separate scenes where Doris is watching the same Lizzie Borden movie. Yeah. Now, I don't know what is being done with this. I don't know what the significance of all the astronaut talk is. I just know it's all over the place. Now, I'm a, I'm a little out of out of um, the loop, shall we say. Lizzie Borden, who chopped up her family with an axe, is that the actress in the movie? It's the or character. The character in the movie? I don't recall. Uh, I, this is Okay, this is something that I also don't know very much about, but I feel like I should. I don't know if Lizzie Borden is like a real story or like based on real events somehow, or if it's pure fiction. I feel like Lizzie Borden was real and insidious, but that's all I know. Lizzie Borden is a real person who was tried and acquitted of murders. Did she do it though? <laughs> well, fuck, I, I don't, don't know. know OJ, I... did she? It kind of feels like everyone thinks she did. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of feels like the the pop culture canon of the event is that she did it. It seems <laughs> One like way she, or there's a lot of evidence that she did. Anyway, okay, OJ, yeah, um, <laughs> all right. <laughs> I want I that's interesting because drawing attention to the time period this movie takes place in again doesn't do it any favors for a couple reasons. The first of all being that you want the spooky backstory to be something that was like twenty fucking years ago. Um, firstly, 20. at the most. At the most. 20? Not At the time of this movie coming out, it would be closer to 50. No, I mean within the movie Wait. itself. You're making the oh, spooky oh, backstory. Oh, okay, yeah. The it's World it's War in 1967. Yeah, the, yeah. the war ended in 45-ish, right? I don't... Uh, 45 and the European front closer to 48 on the right. Pacific front, I believe. Right. Mm -hmm. So you're, yeah, you're, you're telling me that the haunting of this movie started at like 20 years ago at tops. Uh, tops. That's why the map well, about and the like, fucking Nazi doctors well so yeah weird, the, the nazi doctor needed time to move and to america establish. get established and then start his stuff so we're talking it's closer to like 10 years literally i don't know if it would be closer to 10 but like within 15 yeah and how like, old and like but, okay I, I, i've broken is... this movie wide the fuck open because doris is nine and she told him that she was pregnant with doris while they were in the house because he she so, told him in okay. the shower so in 57 they were in the house which means we have that's Between... the year that our dad was born. Shout out to Tim. Shout out to Tim. Shout out, Shout out to, to Tim. Tim. Everyone Love wish you, Tim. Tim a happy birthday. Happy birthday. Hell Especially yeah. it'll be his birthday. It'll, so. it'll, it's it's a, a few months from now. Uh, yeah, most of the year. But... Most of the year, in fact. <laughs> but it's not important. <laughs> I like how you say most of the year. It's like seven months. Is that well, not a majority of the year? Yeah, it's slightly above half. It's more than half. <laughs> it anyway. is more than half. That's a majority. Anyway, anyway. So, so let's, let's say... 
Because in the monologue we um, from the journal, we do get a little, like, aside of, I'm sure many Nazi doctors fled to America after the war. Okay, which so... Which did happen. Well, no, no, it uh, didn't. We brought them here. They didn't here. flee. They yeah, were brought here yes, on no, fucking yeah, they purpose. Were because yeah. our government was full of pieces of shit back then, just as it is now. Opportunists. And they wanted these doctors for their knowledge, and they were willing to just give them amnesty for crimes against humanity <laughs> over it. Anyway, the timeline on this movie. Yeah, so the Nazi doctors get brought over here. Yeah. That means, so let's say that happens exactly after the end of the war. Let's say that that happens, okay? Which means that we're going to say in 47, let's let's be generous here and say the Nazi doctor gets this house in 47. Which means... 20 years. That in 10 years, between the pregnancy announcement and the doctor, let's let's be generous even more and give him 45. Let's say from 45... Yeah, he just to, went straight from the Reichstag to wherever the hell this movie is set. It gives big <laughs> Illinois vibes, right? I think it's set in Let's Cal- not get sidetracked. I'm pretty sure it's I in like so California. I am so invested on the it's in, okay. I, I'm pretty certain it's set in Los Angeles, actually. So I'll, let's I'll say from up. 45 to 56... 11 years is the most we can reasonably have. Because let's say that they didn't move when they were pregnant. They moved into this new house. So we have one year of them living there. Hey, babe, I'm pregnant. They bought this house from the Nazis. They had to Yeah, unless he spent even less time there doing all of his Unless he did all those murders in like a year and then moved out. Because, well, no, that's described as being primarily experiments and shit. No, no, but here's the problem. In Marcus's journal, Marcus's journal, he's in America for a few years before he ends up in the fucking mental asylum. We have a multi-year timeline. Okay, once again, we're just, we're coming back to the earlier point. Everything that's wrong with this movie is just the writing. It is. It is literally it is. just this movie is not written well. So, it's not and here's a good okay. Movie. So all of this timeline stuff, is, all of this timeline <laughs> stuff is important because <laughs> all this timeline por- stuff is important because, in my opinion, this is the most needless inclusion of the Holocaust it, and Nazis. There's as a no plot reason point. to have it this. It did yeah. not need to be this. Um, just a regular serial killer is I, more than enough. I can find you something even more unnecessary, but I don't think it's worse, actually. Have okay. you ever seen the movie The Monster Squad? I've not. Okay, but so I've heard. think of um <laughs> think of like Ghostbusters for kids. Yep. Even though Ghostbusters is kind of already for kids, you know? Think of a movie that's like trying to be Ghostbusters but for kids. And okay. instead of ghosts, it's like Dracula's and Frankenstein's and such. I like, by the way, the general acceptance in pop culture of referring to vampires as Dracula's. As a Dracula. Because yeah. It does conjure an image of a different thing. Well, it is in the movie, in the Monster Squad, it is literally just Dracula and literally just Frankenstein. Yeah. And there's a mummy and, you know, the it's, mummy, it's the universal say. monsters. It's those. Yeah. It's those. And the Dracula is explicitly Dracula. And he's played like Dracula from the book Dracula. And frankly, more things should be Dracula from the book Dracula. He's public domain, people. Let's get Dracula in some movies. And let's be real. No vampire on Earth is ever going to be as funny as Dracula. He's so funny. He's <laughs> Sexed up beyond belief. Dracula needs to be in more things. A vampire for the modern era, really. Drac, if you will. This is a Blade 3 reference. <laughs> nice. Blade 3 reference there. I haven't seen any of the Blade movies. The first two are fine. The second one's a Guillermo del Toro. Ooh. All I, right. I think you'd like the first all two. All right. They are fun. They seem like they'd be pretty fun. But I anyway, like this is... An out, uh, you were mentioning that Monster Squad has a weird Holocaust. Yes, inclusion. it has a curiously unnecessary Holocaust survivor in it. Interesting. And it's, he's just in there to be a reference. 
Okay, but here is the other weird thing is the man himself is German and it's heavily implied that he's gay. So we've got a gay man Holocaust survivor rather than the traditional Jewish Holocaust survivor. Interesting. Yeah. He's actually a neat character, but I just cannot figure I out wonder... why they decided to put See, him in the movie. In that okay. specific situation, <laughs> it feels personal because not it a does. lot of people not a lot of people know about yeah, the level. A lot of people that don't gay, realize gay people. Everyone knows about the yellow star. People don't know about the pink star. Yeah, the triangle. The triangle. Yeah. Anyway. Triangle. My mistake. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Like so, that feels that feels more like someone working on it was invested in that history. Yeah, wanted people to and wanted people know. to know. Yeah. This feels like they were like, what's something terrible? We need like, a fucked up guy to kill people. Yeah. And rather than go the serial killer route, because Insidious had already gone down that path, and there's only yeah. so much you can do with a well, haunted and house. Well, it's, it's 1967. <laughs> they hadn't invented serial killers yet. That was a 70s that thing, a as 70s we all know. But, okay, first thing, <laughs> the serial stupid. killer boom That's a was in the thing. 70s. It's when the term was coined, right? It's right. when the, the notion started to be recognized. But right. like... It was a thing. Already. Yeah, I don't know. There's, I really feel like there is something that they could have done, like do a cult or some shit. I don't a cult know. Would have been neat. You're in. What are we? We're in LA in the '60s. Do a cult. Yeah. Do a cult. Manson is topical at that time. Speaking almost. of. Or about, um, to be. <laughs> about to be. Speaking of, I'm just going to go ahead and plug a Ty West movie. House of the Devil is really, really good. It's on Shudder, I believe, currently. That's where I watched it like a week ago, at least. I think it's still there. As of it's now. It's so good. It's so good. Um. Okay, so I, I just, I want to talk about some of the incredibly, like, comedically bog standard and very, very bad things in this movie. Please do. I'm so ready. Um... Bonding over dead spouses, I think, is a fun enough trope, so I don't want to count it against this movie. It does happen, though. It do be happening. Yeah. Um, okay, so one of the earlier indications that there's something wrong going on in the house is we get a, a scene where Lena is sleeping, she's in her bed, and we see her, like, blanket get slowly pulled down off of her, and then she, like, you know, without really waking up, pulls it back up, and then it gets pulled down again, and then she pulls it back up a little more forcefully this time, and then, long pause, the blanket gets pulled off of her really fast, woo, and she's like, ah, freaked out, my blanket got pulled off of me, it's the middle of the night, I am angry so um, with that in mind i do think that happens in one of the first scenes in hill house doesn't it not Am I wrong? quite like that i don't think Something i just that similar that things whole happen, that but whole not like that okay. i just the blanket pull gag plays so predictably it does as <laughs> soon as you see it start to pull down the first time you know exactly how the next three minutes of movie are going to play out and it's just like well, uh, why are we doing oh this? my god doesn't sorry. why are we doing this mike like Come on. I don't you know? want to pull it back to the Nazi doctor, but I did just remember that they find several thousands of dollars worth of Nazi doctor money in the, in the they walls. Just, yeah. They just randomly find a bunch of money in the walls. Yeah, because they get foreclosed on. And Doris just like, just Doris literally just says, oh, I'm going to have to tell dad about this. He won't like it. And she goes straight to the Ouija board. And everything that she does for the next like five minutes plays out in the background Yeah. as the mom and the older daughter just sit on the front step being sad about it. You literally, if you watch the whole time that they're talking about how this is your dad's house and he wouldn't want us to leave and I don't want to leave and blah, blah, blah. And it's all legitimately emotional stuff, but I'm yeah. mocking it anyway. No, yeah. The whole time that that's happening, you're watching Doris in the background moving through the house and you're watching lights turn on and off as she moves through rooms. And then she goes like down into the basement and comes back up and she has this bag that's just full of money. It's genuinely so funny when you it's say it. It's hilarious. Like that. 
It's absolutely, as I said earlier, this movie could have been a fantastic comedy if it would have just been played a little bit differently. It doesn't yeah. even need that much adjustment. I it's think halfway there. It really is. It really is. Um, uh, let's see. Uh, you don't have to talk to me like that. I don't know how else to make you hear me. The, the rest of the conversation that follows after that I think is actually okay. Mm -hmm. I don't mind it. It's decent, strained communication between family members, and it plays realistically enough. But in that moment, it reeks of... That and line. I apologize for bringing up this appalling person. It reminds me of J.K. Rowling writing um, fucking the fifth book, where she's like, Harry was so angry for no reason, and he didn't know why he was angry, and he couldn't tell anyone why he was angry. He was, he was so confused. So he had no idea what was going on. That's kind of what that conversation <laughs> felt like. Harry had never perceived anything in his life. I know that you listened to this on audiobook by the very pristine way that you were doing that voice. Harry, what are you doing? <laughs> there's, there's a couple of particular line deliveries that we can just say a particular Way and our entire family will crack up. We're hilarious with the right audience. And the right audience is people who grew up in our house from yes. the years 2006 to 2012. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's that. Those were our prime comedy years, I think. Or in terms of like taking in formative content. It's where we listened to all the Potter books. It's where we listened to uh, all or watched all the Simpsons. It's you know, it's where that's we got when the, we started watching the Simpsons. We yeah. got the good material then. That's when the good material oh, came I'm in. So really, piping cold, bland bell peppers. Uh, <laughs> God. I, lo I love a, you guys <laughs> I can't that was like the first episode of the Simpsons that we ever watched can you believe that the one where Homer goes on this diet where the whole thing is just if you're craving literally anything eat a bell pepper instead yeah it's like it's the and bell he goes pepper to diet. like a football game he goes to like some sort of it's sporting a event game. and he sees a guy hot selling dogs, hot, dogs. hot dogs he sees a guy selling beers and he's like oh and then he turns the other way and there's this guy just selling bell peppers like, at the bell ball peppers, game. Bell peppers, piping cold, <laughs> bland bell peppers. <laughs> oh. It's, oh. That's good. Anyway, That's yeah, good we shit. kill with the right audience, oh. and the right audience is family dinner. <laughs> Anyways, we're supposed to be talking about Ouija Origin of Evil right now. <laughs> Much um, less fun to riff on. Uh, okay, so Mikey, the boyfriend character, um, shows yeah, up wearing a like a suit, knowing that he has to walk all the way to school in it. When he's like showing up to the house to pick up Lena because they're gonna walk to school together and he's wearing a suit. I, I get that like, it's like the school uniform thing for him. I get it. But I thought like, he was of him as a tryhard, if we're being honest. Yeah, it makes him just seem like such an absolute ass. And nothing that he does for the rest of the movie changes that opinion, because the only thing we ever get from him is, oh, my dad's an architect, and his idea of a good time is uh, taking me and my brother driving around to look at houses. Can you it, believe it's that? It's like him being, oh. being awkward with, like, being fine with Lena for the most part, honestly. Yeah. And then trying to be nice to Doris, and Doris saying, want to see something cool? And the first time, he's like, yeah, totally, kid. And she and gives him like, the death monologue. Yeah. And then the second time, she's like, want to see something cool? And he's like, like, I am leaving. <laughs> I, I really like that. That's part of the reason that I like the strangling monologue. Okay, so the strangling monologue, one of the other things that I like about it is, like, it's kind of subtle. While he's upstairs with Lena, he compares them, because their mom doesn't, because her mom doesn't want them to date and stuff, um, he compares them to Romeo and Juliet. And then she says this absolute stupid bullshit. Oh my god. She says, uh, more like Bonnie and Clyde in our case, actually, to indicate that, like, they would both be killed over it because her mom would be so mad. Romeo and Juliet both die in that fucking play. It's
It's a perfectly good yeah, reference. Yeah, it was just it fine. perfectly cromulent. What Anyways, is she? Because um, I don't get her. But then when he goes downstairs, he gets the, do you know what it's like to be strangled to death monologue from Doris. And as soon as she finishes that monologue, we get one shot of him just like looking overwhelmed and shocked. And she just very brightly goes, good night, Romeo, and goes and sits back on the couch. She wasn't present for that conversation. Right, right, because the house the is ghost all interconnected. Yeah, I think which that's is fun, a fun little touch. Especially when the first shots that we saw of the ghosts were them interacting in different rooms of the house yeah. as well. I love Mike Flanagan's fucked up houses. I love his Man I writes love a good that. house. It's real fun. He really does. I, love I wish his that houses. he just would have I wonder if this is another like instance of like Blumhousey like interference in any way. It because has to be. because if 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 I know anything about Mike, and I will presume to momentarily like oh, just for a second here. Absolutely. Um I feel like he probably just would have gone with people die here and the house eats the souls TM. We've seen the the mm. backstories that he comes up with for his haunted houses. They're better than this. Yeah. yeah. Both Bly and Hill House have great house yeah. stories. Yeah. Especially Well, man, and like those Bly. are both based on like books and whatnot. Well, so sure. The books are there very, is that. Are, However, but the books are still different than that. Especially yes. like Bly's book is very different. Oh, oh, you haven't read Hill House, my dude. Oh, I oh I, shit, I meant to talk about that at the beginning of the episode. I'll talk about oh, it at the end. It's our closer. I finally finished The Haunting of Hill House recently. I'll talk about it at the end and of the you episode. you need to lend it to me. Yes, absolutely. Yes. When Becca is I done reading Becca it because she it. wants to read it. And she deserves to read good She books. hasn't started it just yet. She's uh, building up to releasing her own book uh, at midnight tonight time of recording, yeah. actually. Very, very exciting. Very Almost 600 pre-orders. Uh, Woo! Last time I checked, but that was this morning, so who even knows where it's at? Just bragging about my partner's book pre-order numbers back because up, I think back up, back I think up, she's very up. very cool. Uh, anyways, um, <laughs> shit, I know I had more in my notes. Uh, oh, okay. So this movie, in all of its scares, I'm sure the both of you noticed this. I know Noah probably noticed this. This movie leans really hard on the absolute fucking cheapest dog shit stunts, like the blanket pull gag or the spooky, scary smiley face that sends shivers down your spine. Yes, 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 yes. Or the, or the boyfriend dropping. Or the boyfriend dropping. Yo, yeah, yeah, yo, like, yo, boyfriend. Even, like, that yo, one, yo, that's boyfriend. actually, like, good in a different movie. Yeah, it in a different be. movie where they actually let it sit instead of yeah, the mom immediately under, going, we need to focus. Yeah, and we then, have like, to move past her this. Away. God, it was <laughs> so funny uh, yeah like it happens and she's just like oh my god my boyfriend's dead and her mom's just like you can't be sad okay actually, and they move past it. okay so let me actually real quick for the ouija 2014 that is the standard of acting across the board every line delivered in ouija is like they're reading it for the first time and someone is saying it in their earpiece and they're repeating it exactly as said yes i just don't understand why she would and it's about her sister killing herself. But it's like, and I just don't understand why she would. Like she didn't know she was going to trail that line off. Yeah, yeah. no, it's it's insane. Bullshit. And it is the same energy as the mom saying, look at me. Look at me, Lena. Him, your boyfriend hanging from the ceiling who just died she three seconds ago. No, Lena. no, no, not now. She looks at <laughs> Lena and she goes, look at me. Look at me. We need to find your sister. And then they just leave. And like... In the moment, I totally understand that as a reaction for her because it's just like, well, this has happened. We can't do anything about it. And we need to save the person that we think we can save. But she doesn't even that. like go. But she doesn't ah, do that. Looking really. at her boyfriend as she runs underneath his feet later. Yeah, it, she like, doesn't even react. She doesn't yeah. even look up and go, oh, Mikey just, or whatever his name it's, is. It's like Mikey was just never yeah. there. 
basically. Yeah, yeah. Mikey then became just the new lamp on the ceiling. It ignored as soon as they decided yeah. they're moving past. And Yo-Yo Boyfriend, cannot stress enough how funny bungee jumping Yo-Yo Boyfriend is. It's very goofy. Um, Noah missed it the first time. So the first time we watched that, the scene where Lena gets thrown up to the second floor, uh, he was looking down and I'm like, oh my God, did you see that? And he's like, no, but I know what happened. Like, you know, she got dragged up the stairs or whatever. I'm like, no, no, no. I need you to rewind. And he, we rewind, and it's like she's running, and then he literally bungee jumps, wraps his dead arms around her waist, and tosses her into the fucking... <laughs> onto yeah. the staircase. I literally um, cannot recover from that one. Anyway, you were so going to say something yeah, specific, else, Jeff. What else have I got here? Oh, um, I got one thing. There are music hits in this that oh, yeah. sound like Hill House. Oh, there's a lot of piano. Okay, so, is it yes. not the Hill House theme? Because my brain was like, that's just okay, the Hill House Okay, the, the like, piano shit at the beginning of the movie had me thinking, oh, yeah, this is the most Flanagan-sounding-ass music I have ever heard. It's just, it, the Newton brothers have a very distinctive brand. They sound the way that they sound. I, I feel like I want to try and see what some of their non-Mike Flanagan work sounds like to see if it's just that, like, they look at Mike Flanagan's shit and they're like, oh, it needs to sound like this every single time, and that's why it always sounds the way that it does. Uh-huh. But the music in this movie is just so, like... Like, if I was going to try and write a, a, a score for a movie to make fun of the average score to the typical Mike Flanagan movie, it would be this. I'm wondering. I'm beginning it to be like... It feels like this movie is verging on self-parody in so many small really, aspects. It really is. Now that you mention it, it really feels like... It but when you watch it, it doesn't seem like that's what it's going for. No, but I would... I would... I Yeah, I think it's funny. I would do a scary movie type, par type parody of Mike Flanagan's movies. Oh, yeah. It's just... It, the, the whole movie is just like people constantly like starting monologues and then getting interrupted. <laughs> We get Rahul Kohli on it because he'll be in. He for would it. be in. He'd be for eating it. a sandwich. He'd walk through the set eating a sandwich. A la fucking, what's his face? The guy from Ocean's Glass 11. Onion. Oh, 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 fuck! <laughs> <laughs> the Brad Pitt guy. Yeah, Brad yeah. Pitt guy. I was gonna or say. Or the Glass Onion guy. Too, I was gonna say Glass that Onion you'd guy. show up to his house and be like, Rahul, do you want to be in our? Do you want to be in our movie? And he'd be like, Can't mate, I'm in the middle of a 4K tournament and 40K tournament. And then he'd like dip, and that would be it. And you'd see in the background, he's like painting minis and shit. The one uninterrupted monologue in the movie is Rahul Kohli talking about Warhammer 40k. <laughs> yeah! <laughs> uh, can, can I real quick, <laughs> nothing makes me happier, speaking of Warhammer, than learning that like the primary allegations against fucking Henry um, Cavill, Henry Cavill <laughs> were, well, were not true. They were made right, up. Right, they were made up entirely, the, yeah. Thank God, because I thought I thought that they had, like, the Warhammer community was so toxic that it fucking radicalized him into being a raging misogynist. And I was, I was so sad, but I was like, damn. They were also damn, claiming that it was, I, like, video games doing that to him. I was well. like, damn, I believe 40K's community could do that. I, not video games. I know better than that. Not but, right. like, I, I mean, did fully believe the Warhammer community was bad enough. And I'm so glad that the person who made the initial claims was like, I made most of this up. Oh, they actually came right out and admitted it, huh? Uh... Okay, yeah, they, they they said, I don't remember exactly what it was. I, I looked at this a while ago, but they basically said that it, it was all rumors and hearsay, and <laughs> they literally had no proof. Um, uh, yeah, and that's that's why they, like, fucking fired him from the show. Yeah, sure. No, no, um, <laughs> the, uh, the removal from the show is, it also coincided with him, like, 
arguing with the writers constantly saying this isn't what the books are like. Yeah, because the writers were wrong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he did also leave the <laughs> I'm show. I'm not even a Witcher fan and I know he that. Was, he was told to his face to make announcements that he was going to be returning as Superman and he made those announcements and they told him he was going to be Superman and then they pulled that rug out from under his feet. That's part of why he left the Witcher. Okay. So, was because he legitimately believed that he was still back on in James Gunn's run to be. Right. It's very sad. Isn't it interesting really sucks, how like, it seems like he cared a lot more about the Witcher role than he did about being yes. Superman. That's because he's a fucking nerd. He liked his well, nerd Well, yeah, he book. is. So I think uh, this is so off topic. Anyway, yeah, yeah. yeah. We're, we're all tangent over the of place a tangent. Here. I do think it's interesting, though, that we're now getting runs of directors like we would get runs of comic writers back in the, like, like we still do, obviously, but people would refer to so-and-so's run on, like, comics. And now it's like, oh, Zack Snyder's run on DC, James Gunn's run on DC. Yeah. Joss Whedon's run on MC on the MCU, you know? It's, I think Honestly, <laughs> frankly, I wish Rip. that they would do it more like that instead of trying yeah. to make this massive cinematic universe Yeah, let them be self-contained arcs. Yeah. Have a series of self-contained arcs that all last like three to five years tops. I would be so in for a couple of those. Unfortunately, because people are unwilling to critically look at anything and they're like, it's just a popcorn movie, leave it alone. We will uh. never have anyone who would be smart enough to realize that it's okay that they're slightly different characters and that the other movies don't need to be canon to a new arc story. Right. So we'll never get that. Uh, yeah. Ugh. Anyway, speaking just, of popcorn movies. I want different takes on the same characters. That's all I, think I it's want really out, fun. Of, out of anything. If we're going to keep getting movies with the same characters for like forever, I want different takes on them. Yeah, I would love a different... No, this <laughs> is coming from world's biggest Hugh Jackman Wolverine Fan who was talking about Love how I, I really feel like the X-Men movies captured every like important aspect of Logan, which is, you know, government experiment with no memories, mm. quirky teacher at the, quirky gruff teacher who adopts kids to- And side character. And side Most character. Most importantly, not and main side character. character. <laughs> to being the main mm. character of his own kind of downfall and passing the torch. Like that is- every important aspect of yeah. Logan as a character. Fuck, Logan was such a good movie. Oh, it was such a good movie. But um, I would still love to see a different take on the character because there are things that I don't think we saw explored in the movies, like his relationship with Nightcrawler. I would love oh. to see that stuff done with a different actor, but they're like, no, we have to bring Hugh Jackman back. And I'm like, no. no. <laughs> <laughs> who who would you cast as the next Wolverine other than Rocco Coley? Oh, what's uh, his name? Jared Kiso. People have talked about Jared Kiso. Okay. He's, he's the main of Letterkenny. <laughs> what? Wayne? Yeah, it's because he's fucking like short and wide. Is he's he? short and wide and Canadian and everyone's like, oh my ah. God. <laughs> okay. That is a funny like Okay, well, but like, have you seen the people who are saying that Matt Berry should be the next Wolverine? I would also... I support that I show. Would all, see, I don't think... I think that if we were to get like a comedic X-Men movie, I would right. I would do it. It's same Matt Berry, Tucson, Arizona? Tucson, Arizona. Yeah. Manahata. I started watching. I finally took your advice and started watching what he what we do in the shadows the other night. I'm like four episodes in. It's already the best show it's I've ever watched. So oh my god. Good. Oh, I can't I believe I put so it off much. for this long. Noah Noah's watched like the first two episodes and really enjoyed um, Mark Prosh's character of Colin Robinson. Um, god. <laughs> I love how they all have names like Nandor the Relentless, and then he's just Colin Robinson, it and works. they never call him anything less than his full name. He's a first name last name guy oh yeah. it's colin robinson <laughs> oh no it's colin robinson <laughs> i really so um i'm gonna gab a ghoul about about oh, yeah. what we do in the shadows really quick i really enjoy how in season one and this is not spoilers in season one it really seems 
like Nadja, Laszlo, and Nandor are all kind of um, tweaked versions of the characters that we saw in the movie. I could see that. Um, Nandor being... Um, uh, fuck. Taika Waititi's Taika character. Waititi's clearly, character clearly. And Nadja kind of, I feel like, being like Deacon-esque and Laszlo being kind it. of Vlad-esque. Yeah, because he's like the over-the-top one and she's the somewhat more understated but also right. very and weird it's like he's the like Right, and it's like he's the like typical vampire one. Right, and she's yeah. The, but, um, and he's also very like, and she's like the, Nandor's like, just so like uh, t- timid and ineffectual mm-hmm, about so many things. Mm-hmm. And, but they really take that, I feel like they do that to draw you in, and then they take everything that you think you know about those characters, apart from, like, the really important things, like Nadja and Laszlo being madly in love, right. and they really work to focus on things that make those characters so different from the movie characters. Huh. And obviously there's Guillermo, who is not even close to being a stew. Guillermo is, like... Not remotely, no. Oh, Guillermo, my favorite character in anything ever. So, yeah, I don't know. As Gabbing Ghouls, every, every episode except for one of this show have been perfect, and the one that was bad was so bad I would probably... I hate it, but it's important to the plot, so you have to wow. watch it. Okay, so I'll know it when I get to oh, it. Oh, you will know it when you get to <laughs> All it. All right, <laughs> Um, because it cuts so many interesting plot threads, like, dead where they stand. Oh, no. um, Yeah, it's in the most recent season. You'll know when you hit it. Okay, so it'll take me a while. It'll take you there. a while. Um, and then it, it kind of is just like, it, once you hit it, you're like, well, this was a comedy show. I don't know what I was expecting. And you learn to temper your expectations again. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, no. Watch What We Do in the Shadows is good. <laughs> Um, and don't watch this movie unless you really. Well, yeah, unless you're unless you're really unless committed you really to doing wanna... a, a a full run of the Flanagan movies. In which case, I'm gonna say it's worth it. You, you want to put it early in the run so that you don't end up like capping it building off building up to negative. nothing yeah yeah you want to watch this like kind of early on no, not so early on that it discourages you from doing the whole thing but like you want to put it early in the process yeah because other otherwise it will feel exactly like what i've described which is a reality check on the fact that flanagan is is just doing the same thing yeah which yeah. is um, fine it's okay. okay so do we want to take just a quick couple of minutes and talk about some kind of neat things that are in this movie yes i would love to okay I so i would love to True to form, cool Mike put a Stephen King reference into this movie. Did you catch I it? I fucking did. I don't remember what it was, but wasn't it as fucking Henry Thomas is like running up the stairs. He says some shit that I like looked at Noah and I was like, I feel like that's a king. I wasn't I even thinking of a spoken line when I said this. Actually. Okay, I yeah, what really I'm thinking like of when Henry Thomas said, this, "All must uh, serve the spire" or whatever the fuck it was. <laughs> all things serve the beam. Yeah, that. That's good. Very good. No, good memory. What Thanks. were you gonna say? Uh, I was referring to this note that I have written in my notebook. Here oh, was it just the deadlight says, shit? Yeah, it just says she's Pennywiseing. Yeah, that oh, was. Yeah. I did know that. That is what it was. I turned yeah. to Noah. She was Pennywise she has real hard. One of the the uh, the the weird ghost guys glowing eyes like in her mouth. Yeah, and, and she like Pennywising. Yeah, that's just what it I was, was thinking. Oh, she's Pennywising, and yeah, I mean that's also what I was thinking. Though I'm like, yeah. oh yeah, just like Pennywise. Yeah, and then I got into this loop of did that movie come out yet? It did that, I had it that did. same thought. I yeah. turned to Noah and I said, "Wow, that's some deadlights up in this bitch." And yep. then I looked back at the screen and said, "Guy who's only seen Boss Baby voice." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, no, um, it definitely felt like the deadlights. Yeah, it's uh, that's, I'm I'm certain that's what he was thinking of when oh, he did it. That's just. I mean, it's Mike. Come on. Yeah, no, but, um, 
Okay, so the we were talking earlier about the how the possession eyes. It's just the same like white contacts that he used in Doctor Sleep, and it was in the Evil Dead movies before that. But I'm not talking about the Evil Dead movies right now. Um, when that stuff is happening, that is always to indicate that uh, the the ghost possession is like taking full power over Doris's body, right? The first time that we see it happen, though, it's really, really subtle. I actually missed it on the first watch and only caught it on my second earlier today. The first time that we see it happen is when they're in the car and talking about the cursive on Doris's homework. And uh, the mom is asking her, like, you know, who did that for you? And she's like, it was my new friend. I let her use my hand. Mm -hmm. And when she says, I let her use my hand, her eyes go, she like blinks and her eyes go white. But you almost don't see it because it's a shot from outside the car and you're seeing reflections on the window pass over her face. But if you're looking closely, you can see pretty clearly her eyes go white for a moment. I thought that was actually really neat because if you're looking, you see that and it's like, oh, did I just see something weird happen? And then it's not until later when you get a more explicit possession moment that you realize, oh, that is what that is. I thought that was kind of neat. That is cool. That and also a lot of times when she's doing possession stuff or um, after like the possession stuff starts happening through her, her lighting is like, I, I'm always talking about the lighting. Her lighting is like different from the way that everyone else gets lit. Did you catch this? She gets oh, this yeah. lighting on like from the back of her head so often when she's doing ominous ghost shit. Nobody else gets this. I hadn't realized that, but yeah, no, that does happen, doesn't it? Yeah, like during the, uh, when Father Tom comes over and he's like, I would like to seance my dead wife. The lighting in that scene is different from the lighting in all the previous seance scenes. And the light is all coming from behind Doris. And it's mm. when we get shots of Father Tom, he's like lit from the side. Half of his face is kind of in shadow. And that's like, you know, thematically, cinematically, that's indicating to us that he is hiding something from everyone else in the room throughout this seance. Because then we find out that he's been lying about a bunch of stuff and like just, you know, seeing if it's all for real and whatnot, because he knows what movie he's in somehow. He just showed up that prepared. <laughs> that is, yeah, that is another thing is that he, like, there's a yeah, lot of- Yeah, he knows he's in a horror movie. There's a lot of <laughs> stuff in this movie where it really feels like they're making leaps of logic just so that the plot will happen. Like, there's no reason for him to think that she can read his mind and that's how things work. Why would that be what he jumps to? Except that he, he had reason to believe that, because he had read the diary at that point. Right, he had reason. He to had reason to believe she had access to something actually but legitimately why would, supernatural. Why but would what then, how it worked be that they were reading his mind? Right, he assumed that. Well, or was he assuming that, or was he just testing to see if it was that, or if it was actually something with supernatural knowledge? Right, but was kind of how I read that's, it. At least. That's okay. Either but I way, still don't it feels too much like he just knows he's in a movie. It feels like he, <laughs> he like there are a, a million things to assume when you read what you read, what he read, and you know what you know about their family, there's a lot of things that you could assume about what's going on, how things work, like where this information came from. But he immediately jumps to not only are they actually like contacting spirits here and it's not a fanciful imagination or something that she read, but 
It works specifically by reading minds and if he and and if he thinks hard enough about the wrong answer then successfully he will yeah. have thwarted it that is such a leap of logic it's really something isn't but it? it is it is funny that it works and he just doesn't i there is one scene in this movie where something happens and his face just is one of my favorite expressions i've seen there are two moments in this movie there where are they legitimately are... good performances in this movie Lena's because actress. mike flanagan hires good actors god damn he it really does lena's actress when she's doing the she's scene where she has to stitch the mouth shut and her yeah. eyes are like so wide and she's just so stiff yeah i loved that that's the only moment because no one and i were talking about how if we'd seen this in like 2016 we we might have found this scary and mm -hmm. that was the scene that for me kind of breached that where i was like yeah yeah i definitely would have when i was in like there was a scene where um mikey's reaching into the wall and you can see doris doing this freaky grin behind him and i was Ooh. like yeah yeah you know what the spooky scary smiley face yeah what? Yeah, no, like if it were, there are certain things that because I follow a lot of horror artists on Twitter and I've watched a lot of horror now and I have, I know what does things to me and what doesn't. Yeah. I don't find that shit scary anymore. But there's a reason that it's a cliche. Right. And that's because it's kind of fucked up. Kinda. So I, I enjoyed it. Yeah. That and uh, just in terms of like little performance things, there's this face in the opening scene um, when, uh, they're doing the, uh, you know, the opening scam seance. Um, and Elizabeth Reeser's character, uh, what's her name? What, what did we say her name was? Alice. Alice. Okay, Alice is explaining that you can only ask three questions. And blonde Kate Siegel says, why just three? And it's because there's three candles. Elizabeth Reeser makes this face. And it's so subtle because she's trying to just distract and not answer the question and just move forward with the seance. But she does this thing with her eyes that you can tell exactly what she's thinking, which is, can you just let me scam you here? <laughs> can yes. you just shut up and stop asking logical questions so I can do this? And it's like, it's, it's blink and you'll miss it stuff, right? Mm -hmm. It's subtle, but like, she does it really well. Yes, I think that there are a lot of great performances. I really enjoy Henry Thomas. Yeah, this is this I... is really one of those just like concept execution contrast things mm -hmm. where it's like this is maybe the best possible execution of what this movie is, but it's just that this movie sucks. I would love to revisit just certain concepts from this movie and yeah. see a good story written. Yeah. For instance, fortune teller MILF and a, pr and a priest... Hell yeah. I want to see that. Bonding over their dead spouses, Bonding even. over their dead spouses. The scene with them in the restaurant is legitimately very good. Okay. The conversation is okay. good. Not I to, not it. to, okay. I did say, I, I started being like, I'd love to see it where it's like them working through their grief through different methods of belief. And then I realized that's just fucking flea bag again. Um, and, and, I, <laughs> and also Midnight Mass. And Aww. also Midnight Mass. So if for very different tonal reasons. Yes. But like, I've already, I, I love that idea because I've already seen really good stories that do that. Like, how do we cope with life? Oh, through different methods. And now two people with completely different methods of coping with things have met and fallen in love. Yeah. I love that shit. Um, and I, and I was disappointed at how little that was the focus. And I get why it's not really the focus in this movie. Sure, yeah, because this movie sucks. Because it's a Blumhouse yeah, it's, it's just so Blumhousey. Also, speaking of the Blumhousey shit, there is a scene where 
you can very clearly tell that somebody on the production, on the producer team there said, oh, you know what's real scary? Spooky old tiny songs. Oh, we yeah. Throw some of those that, in there. That was really, yeah. and, and look, it's the 60s. So like you would think yeah. that of anything, the kind of oldie, old school like TV shit and the old school like records would fit better here than they do in, I don't know. Let's Insidious. Pick a, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> 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 but yeah, um, yeah, no, you'd think that would fit really well here. And the only example I can think that worked in this whole movie is the credit song. What was the credit song? It was I don't goodbye. Even I think it's called Goodbye Little Once Girl. the credits started rolling, I closed it so fast because I was just so happy for it to be I over. I left it open long enough to wonder if the planchette in the credits was spelling anything out. It's not. It's picking almost exclusively consonants. So oh. there's no fucking way. Well, maybe it's just spelling out Welsh words. Who it, knows? It, yeah, I think by the like third time it selected like an N or an S I was like no, like yeah this going is going nowhere right. um, and then I saw Michael Bay's name and I was like ah, fuck that guy <laughs> but yeah um no, I I think that that was like a good use of a, like a credit song, but I wish that that had been the only instance because yeah. like there are good examples of using music in a horror movie. Sure. Nope. It's like a in great House example. of the, House of the Devil. Once again, I'm mentioning. I'm sh- I'm sure. Yeah, it's and you got a very seen good nope one. either. So my I haven't seen Nope. Yeah. Yeah. We're both just talking about movies that the other haven't seen. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, like there are good ways to use music in horror. Um, I don't think Insidious or this movie do a good job of it. No. Insidious no. is worse because, uh, unfortunately... Well, because it's through the tulips. Exactly. Yeah, unfortunately, like, that's uh... a meme song now. Uh, and I don't know if it was at the time, so I'll give them a little bit of the I, benefit of the doubt. I remember hearing my parents' friends make jokes about it before that movie came out, so I'm pretty sure it was already kind of a joke song at the time yeah that's that's one thing and then like i i think that i think i've seen more movies that don't use music well than do for as far as horror goes yeah because i love malignant y'all know this oh Mm -hmm. oh absolutely is that a good use of where is my mind do you think not that I, much. It's perfect it's for the perfect. way that the movie is. I think it's like, amazing. I oh, you know, actually, you know what's what's absolutely perfect is the use of um, titanium in uh, Megan. I need to watch Megan. You I haven't. absolutely I need, need to watch, watch Megan. Holy I shit. need to. It's on my list. I love that movie. We'll gab those ghouls next time, folks. Um, I really feel like... Do you have anything else to say? We've gone for so long here. Even if I have something else to say, I shouldn't. All right. I have no notes <laughs> to get through. Oh shit! Yeah, I forgot about that. Yeah, we got my notes. Um, there's Let's some move notes. Some, some glasses. Oh, actually, there. there is one cool thing I would like to bring up, um, and it's in the notes. Flanagan wanted to commit to this movie feeling like an old style movie. Oh yeah. So every twenty minutes or so, there is a fucking big old, um, uh, what is called a cigarette burn. Yeah. Appears in the top right corner yeah, just because up in the that corner. is the uh, the signal to change reels traditionally. Yeah. Oh, that's what the deal with that was. Yep. Okay. That and also like there's there's it's it's not a consistent thing in the movie really, but there's a handful of like shots and short scenes and stuff, like shot reverse shot type stuff that feels very like 60s 70s to me. Yes. Just in the way that it's like framed and whatnot. Yeah, he wanted to commit to the uh to the bit and that's kind of cool. Yeah, I feel like he maybe could have committed a little bit harder, but he I understand why he didn't. This movie being what it is. Okay. Uh, we have Noah's notes here today. Uh, Noah says, I could literally kiss Mike. 
That's all We're that making this says. only 98 nope, minutes. No, no, no. This is revisionism. That's all that the note says. It says that he could literally kiss Mike. And I that's could it. too. I think so could I. Could I also. You know what? Not afraid to say it the way that Noah is. No, it's no. It's wild how differently I feel about the length of this movie at the end of it. Yeah, Noah says at the it beginning. It should be shorter. It's, yeah, it's the longer first, than it should be. The first note Noah says is I could literally kiss Mike for making this only 98 minutes. This feeling will not stay. Uh, second yeah. note, as previously stated, is just in all caps, blonde Kate. Yes, Kate is wearing a blonde wig. She it's looks weird nice. To see. She does. She does. <laughs> she but always like, looks nice. Her eyebrows make it very obvious that the blonde is not her no. real hair color. Uh, she doesn't her look like Her roots make it the, obvious yeah. that it's not the real hair color. No, oh, I didn't even notice her roots. I her roots she, are I, there. I thought it was a wig. Also, I'm going to go with the third note, split diopter. There's a split diopter shot in the beginning. And that's what exactly another, is that? That's another effort he made to make this movie feel a little bit more uh, retro. So a split diopter is where you have a foreground and background item both in equal focus. Oh. And it is the moment when we're full focused on her face and full focused on the candle in the uh, in the cabinet. Right, and then we also get a uh, a use of that uh, when um, when the mom is doing the first test thing with the Ouija board, and we get the shot of Doris like reacting to all of it while we have yeah. Lena in the background just being like confused by the fact that her sister is talking to nobody and saying yeah. weird things. It's a trick done by an actually like a split lens kind of setup. Oh, that's yeah. how they do that. It's neat. It's that's a classic so look. Cool. It's like something that uh, you don't see done as often anymore. Right. Firstly, because digital focuses in different ways. Yeah, uh, yeah. But also because it looks corny. I like it, though. It. I think it's cool. It looks good. Yeah, it's especially as a thematic thing. Very yeah. cool. Anyway, Nina, go off. Noah says, Noah says, I do love this whole scam lady opening, immediately followed by, oh, my bad. She says it's not a scam because she helps people feel better. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I did love that. Noah says, look at that conversation pit. I love the we internet. We got a conversation pit. I love the internet for making people aware of the conversation pits again, because that's not a thing anymore. But it also does bring to attention how rich the family is that... Um, oh, that she's hanging that out she's with. Hanging oh, out God. With. As soon as she walks up to the front door, you can tell. Because oh, those yeah. doors are absolutely insane. If you're going to watch this movie for anything, watch it for those fucking doors on that house. Yeah. Not the main house, but the one that's only there for a minute. Yeah. <laughs> Noah says, I love Betty going, oh my God, constantly. That is the best humor in this movie is when they're initially playing the- I love Betty. She is such a funny character <laughs> for that one so scene that she's funny. in. I wish oh we God. got more of her. She, every oh time- they Everything. Keep, she's scared every of absolutely everything. Every time that everything. the Ouija board does anything, she goes, oh my God. And it's so funny because everyone's yeah. telling her conflicting shit, but she's afraid no matter what they say. Yeah. And then the other girl's mom comes home and scares them. And Betty just like screams for too long. It's so and I good. think that's a very funny gag. Betty, Once again, this movie is so close to just being a really good comedy. <laughs> Noah said, I'm always a huge fan of worlds where witchcraft is real and works, but somehow people didn't notice until they got one of those evil, wicked Ouija boards. The impression that I get is that Ouija boards are the only real form of magic in this world. Yeah. And that doesn't make any goddamn sense whatsoever. Right, the entire rest of her seance thing? A fake. Hack. All fake. fake. But, but the Ouija board branded... that you can just buy from Hasbro, that's real. That shit's real. <laughs> so funny. Christian moms be like. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Well, except they also say that every other form of magic is real, but not in the way that you think. It's just evil. It's just Satan getting your soul. 
God, I do love that. Noah says, this is for a kiss scene. That slow-mo is so weird and awkward. Just reshoot where they take an extra second to move in. That was whack. We rewatched that kiss. Oh, it was so bad. There's like, like just a half second of slow-mo as they come close to each other and the frame rate drops to half and it looks so bad. Are we talking so about bad. are we talking about the almost kiss that Father Tom interrupts? No, Lena, Lena and Mikey kiss in the bedroom. Oh, one right, point. that one. Okay. And they, literally they just drop they they just like man Annually do slow Yeah, because they it's wanted so it to bad. hit at the right point of the song, and apparently the shot moved a little too fast as he was going in, so they're like, this doesn't fit the vibe. I feel like it's incredibly easy to just shoot a slower kiss. Yeah, That's what I'm thinking. Just, just time that with the music. I mean, shit, you don't even have to edit that. You just have to put the song on, on yeah, set I mean, they literally... and tell your actors, kiss at this particular moment, and they'll do it. Like, I don't know, whatever. Noah whatever. says, um, skull with no teeth. But how? I think is there not just like tape over the mouth or something? No, so it's it's the sewn shut mouth. You get a better view later, but at one point it yeah, does look the like there's no like, lips. It's like fused somehow. Yeah, it looks like there's yeah. no lips. The skulls look no weird. teeth. It's just like a fused bottom. Yeah, jaw. It's I, just like is this explained in the movie? No. Why is that? Why he's what he's doing? He's not. Uh, it's to stop the voices. Yeah, it's he, because he when cuts the people their tongue are... out and sews their mouth shut. But why yeah. does he do that? So I don't they, know. So that he can entertain guests upstairs. Well, right, yeah, and they can't so, scream. Yeah, so it's like he does. So that to... wasn't even the main experiment. Right. Okay. But then the reason that Lena has to sew Doris's sh mouth shut is, is not because of that. It's because she needs to stop her from talking. Because, because the whispering way that she, in the ears, how she yeah, kills the way that she somehow. gets other people is by whispering things Which to makes them. Zippo like uh, you know, like like Father Tom says, she tells me she told me such wonderful, awful things. You know, you know, like you know, that's a that's a it's a good line, isn't it? It's a great line. Isn't that, isn't that That's interesting? That's such doesn't a that, good doesn't line. Doesn't that make you think about things, Damn, doesn't it? He said wonderful, so awful scary, things. Wonderful it's a contradictory statement. Awful. How fucked up How must whimsical. the things she was saying must have been in order for him to describe Read them that the way, Read the next goddamn note. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I want to know what this note that says L, massive L, incredibly huge L, mid-ass movie, what's that in reference to? Oh, um... <laughs> I think that I had to do it to stop the voices. No. Okay. <laughs> Based on where this is in the... Wait. No, this it's, absolutely... Okay, so it's after she breaks her hand getting out of the thing. Well, after she, like, but bruises it's... her hand getting out so of the thing. So she's checking out Doris's body. I think it's when she kills her mom. Um... <laughs> okay, yeah, okay. no. Because, look, so this is something I said, but when, uh, when we watched the movie, but when she says, I think I'll have you all, I expected kind of more of an Oculus ending. I expected it to kind of end right there mm. and kind of cut to like the the whole family on like film grain standing in the door frame with all of their eyes whited out sure. and just call that good. I did yeah. not expect That's it. the kind of ending I expect from this movie. Exactly. Honestly. And then it just keeps Which fucking going. Which is ass also. Oh yes, oh, also, absolute also ass. bad, but it is absolute better than ass. what we get. Yes, it's shorter and it also is better. Um Noah said, so These are not very many notes. No, they aren't. Okay, but you did in fairness skip past a whole pair like paragraphs worth of notes to get down to the L massive L. Oh yeah, no. Oh, that's true. That. Because we did bypass there. my realization that this was a fucking Nazi plot twist out of nowhere. Yeah, it's a Nazi house. Yeah, out of nowhere, uh, which we've already talked at length about. Um, and then, yeah, Noah said, Noah in his notes made the mention of wouldn't they have bought this house from the devil's doctor. Yeah. Um, Noah said, my dude, you are far too calm for just having seen a kid kill himself. 
Yes. Well, um, they had to. They had to focus. They Noah had to, says they had to save Doris. No worries. As a man of God, Father Tom isn't afraid. Naturally, this is what they train for. I think that's a really fun difference between movies where Flanagan is trying versus movies where, he, or like things where he's not. Because oh yeah. Father Paul, my beloved Father Paul, a better character, a better character, is constantly afraid and and introspecting and like yeah. having moments of vulnerability and father and doubts constantly and doubts. as well. He isn't always right. Holy he shit. isn't a mind reader. This is making me want to rewatch Midnight Mass <laughs> me again. Me too. I'm going like, to have to. For what the the third time I still in the haven't last done year my second time. I'm. I think a big problem is I'm torn between restarting that and Lost, and it it is a big internal war that I'm going through. Uh, to me, that's not even a decision. It's Midnight Mass all the way. I, Although I have been really wanting to start watching lost if you do let me know i haven't watched it since it ended for real like you, that I was the last time i watched any so of it badly. i think you and becca would have a blast with it i feel like we would but also we'd be like laughing at it the whole time it honestly i'm not gonna lie to you it hits way better this second time it around. hits way yeah. better if you're watching it all the way through at once is what oh absolutely. Heard from multiple absolutely no it binges far better than it watched no live. no doubt whatsoever that's a, it the did ghoul not i'm watch, gonna gab it did is, not watch live well at all when watching it weekly the ending of the show sucked when watching it like three or four episodes a night the ending of that show hit much better okay Uh, make sure though that you don't watch the two separated end episodes watch the one two hour extravaganza that they aired on tv because there is cut content when they split it in half oh yeah okay yeah, it is, it is, like, this is not to say there aren't laughable moments of oh, sure. 2000s nonsense. Absolutely. But it is one of my unironic favorite pieces of media I've watched in the past few years. Yeah. Um, I th- it is so post 9-11, though. It is if, so if you're going oh, into, fuck, yeah. If somehow you're watching Lost Blind, um, Content it is, warning for a lot of Islamophobia. It is Tons. very post 9-11 America. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the worst done part in a way that, like, that they don't seem to even realize it. Yeah, yes. I was about to say the worst it part about the Islamophobia genuine. in that show is that like they kind of think they're working against Islamophobia. They really do. With Saeed's character, but they're really just playing it. It's they, like, it no, starts... he was in the Taliban, but he felt bad about it. <laughs> yeah, that, that's literally it. They're like, well, yeah, he was in the Republican Guard, which was uh, the, the, you know, the bad guys as we know them and such. But like, you know, he feels bad about I, it. He feels bad. Saeed could have been such a good character, but they absolutely fucked him up. Anyway. They did, yeah. Lost Lost, lost good, I like lost. Um, anyway, that's not important here. Um, I just think that Fa- Father Tom um, was a really weak character because they made him too su- simultaneously vulnerable and invulnerable uh, um, emotionally. Alternately, yeah. Alternately. Um, Noah says, I'm almost waiting to find out that this shit-ass old Nazi is still alive somehow. That would have made more sense. Thank you, Noah. That would have been a Dr. Satan thing, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, Once again, don't disparage the good doctor. (laughs) uh, We're not going to mention the 2016 thing. We already talked about how we would have been scared of it. Um, Noah says, I love that the idea is to show her, sew her mouth shut and that it actually works. And there's an asterisk on the word love that connects to an asterisk on the word hate. Um, (laughs) Which is super fair. Uh, Noah says... Second twist, this was all her in a psych ward remembering, which is, I love psych wards. I hated that. Yeah, because the the ending, the movie ends five times. And one of the endings is Lena being left alone in the basement after killing her mom and sister and her boyfriend is dead and Father Tom is dead and she's just there and questionably still possessed. That is an ending to this movie that's good. Then we bring the psych ward in for no reason. 
and, and then the, the psych, psych ward ends like three times the on its psych own. ward comes in because yeah. they had a shot of lynn shay in the psych ward where it was supposed to be this was like someone coming to visit her but it's so far that's so far in the future is lynn shay supposed to be our girl again oh, it doesn't matter is lynn shay lena i don't care it's exhausting yeah, it's this exhausting. movie is just it's if just you bad. watch it's it with bad. a critical <laughs> eye, it's a bad movie. If it's just on as a goofing around watching movie, it is fine. Sure, I guess. I feel like if you're going to pick a goofing around movie, you're better off picking a better goofing around movie. Like uh, Psycho Gorman. Or Freaky. Or Bodies, Bodies, Bodies. Honestly, all yeah. better movies. And, and all-time Emma favorite, which I feel like... When I gave it an eight, Emma was very hurt by this. And I know Emma won't listen to this, so it's a bad apology. I don't think it's bad. I think it's great. It's yeah. just not a 10 for me. Eight to it's a very movie. fun movie. It's very fun. I liked it a lot. Yes. Much I'm... like Psycho Gorman, which I fully intend to make the podcast watch at I some point I am excited for when we do that. Yeah. I am very excited for when we do that. But for now, the next what movie we, we watch, watch time, Noah? Boy Howdy, it's not going to be Psycho Gorman. No. It's March of the Zombies. March of the Zombies! We are going to watch two movies. We don't know which order. In... I mean, hey, Flanuary took two months. March of the Zombies doesn't have to be it can go all the way to, to the month of March. <laughs> it can go as long we, as we fucking want. We have picked two movies. We don't know yes. which order we're going to watch them in because we don't know which ones are It depends on how accessible. accessible they are. Right. But, but it's going to be... Train to Busan and 28 Days Later. So, very excited for both. Very excited for very both. Excited. Um, so yeah, tune in for those. I'm excited because Last of Us is really big right now and I haven't really been into Last of Us and I'm excited to watch some zombie movies that I know I'm going to like. Yeah. So, um, yeah. I do definitely think you're going to like 28 Days Later. I know I know I'm gonna cuz everything that I've heard about it I know that I will. Same yeah, with it's got I, that uh, that Christopher Eccleston in it and that uh, Brendan Gleeson. Dang. Can't miss with those two. No. I mean, Eccleston's not in a lot of it, but like, you know. Yeah. Anyway, tune in next time. And for now, we've been your three of four hosts. I'm Nina. Uh, you can find me at Nina Wolverina on Twitter and Instagram and on Tumblr. It's Nina Wolverina with a three instead of the E. Um... I post a lot of art, and I wrote a book, and I wrote another one that's coming out in August, so uh, check that shit out, please. Yeah. You can find me as Bubba the Bad, B-U-B-B-A-D-A-B-A-D, on any site I happen to be on, but for movies, hit me up on Letterboxd. I'm there. Nice. Uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter at Bubba Wubba Dab. You can find me on Tumblr at What Is It You Pray For. And you can also find me at the end of this podcast episode uh, talking about The Haunting of Hill House. I will probably be saying some light spoilers. Good warning. Okay. Uh, let's maybe get right uh, into the, that. The that... podcast Twitter Oh, is, shit. Uh, Casual horror pod on Twitter. Not that Twitter. it's ever getting used, but like. I mean, we've been, we, Emma's been, Emma got back into it. Um, she's just not been super active Yeah, we've not right been now. using it actively. But, um, and yeah, then also the casual horror pod on Twitter and then on Tumblr. We're also, I'm fairly active on the Tumblr. I like finding hee hee hoo hoo horror memes. The only problem is that I have also been sharing them pretty consistently to the Discord server. That's ah, right. Yes. We have a Discord server. We have a Discord so server. So do join that. But casual horror pod on Tumblr as well um, for the things that I don't shared to the server um so yeah yeah jeff would you like to gab your last ghoul 
My last ghoul. All right. Um, are you okay with hearing some light spoilers on the book Haunting of Hill House? Uh, yeah, I don't. I don't okay. find myself super. It's it's going to be very vague. So okay. So the the book is very different from the Mike Flanagan show in that like you know in the show they're like a family. In the book, they are not a family. The main, the the characters are entirely like strangers to one another at the beginning of the story. They arrive at a house to be like to do ghost hunter shit. Basically, it is all told from Eleanor's perspective, and I fucking love the way that Shirley Jackson writes everything that she writes in this book. I really want to read more of her stuff because I love the way that she puts this shit together. The way that she tells you things about her main character and the way that she like perceives things and stuff is so like it, uh, I, I efficient I guess is a way to say it because you very quickly very early on in the book get to feel as though you know her very very intimately mm -hmm. and you don't even need to learn all that much about her like at the end of the story there's still a lot that you don't really know about her life because it hasn't been mentioned super explicitly there's a lot that you don't know about the way that she has moved through the story honestly because it just hasn't been stated super explicitly but it doesn't really matter because you you f you see all of her feelings in such a way that you feel like you really get her you know yeah also something that um is done in the mike flanagan show and also very very strongly in the book that i really fucking love is you know you know that thing in so much like uh, haunting and possession based media where a person is influenced to act in some manner of a weird way by a supernatural presence and you only get it from like other people's perspective. Yeah. So it's just kind of like you you don't know what their internal yeah, experience yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. of this is. I personally have always been really, really interested and really compelled by the notion of finding out what the person getting influenced is experiencing. What are they being told that's making them act a particular way? That do How a certain aware thing. are they of yeah. what they're doing? How aware are they of what's actually going on? Do they like, do they realize that they're becoming different somehow? I don't and remember this from The Shining, but I feel like that's something that's done well in The Shining book. Yeah, fairly. But I don't, I don't remember for sure. We, we still don't get anyone's internal experience in The Shining, though, mm -hmm. is the thing. And that's something, actually, that I touched on when I was talking to my mom about this last week. Um, okay, so what we get, though, in the show Haunting of Hill House is we see pretty clearly the illusions that the house shows yes. the people that it's trying to corrupt mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, to do things to and whatnot. We get that very clearly. Okay, that is not quite the way that it is in the book, and I'm not going to describe in super detail the way that it is in the book. Okay. But goddamn, I fucking love the way that it's done in the book because, um, and this is this is a slight spoiler because it's something that you wouldn't realize necessarily while you're reading the book until a certain point. Okay. As the book goes along, it's written differently. Ooh. And this is so, the change is so subtle that I literally didn't realize it until I was on like the next to last or third to last chapter. Oh, I'm Where so I was excited. just like, what? when the hell did this start happening? There, there's just a particular thing that starts getting mentioned here and there. Oh, I'm and so I excited. reached a point where I was just like, when did this start? When did this become a part of the mechanic of how this book rolls? Like, Ooh. when when did that become a thing? And then I realized that was intentional. It just got faded in a little bit at a time. I am intrigued. And, and I didn't thrilled. notice it. I love that It made that me want to reread the book, like, immediately. <laughs> I love that shit. It's, ah. oh. And the, the ending is such a 
fucking punch in the nuts. It is one of the best endings of any book I've ever read. Holy shit. I'm so excited. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm, I'm really excited for you to. to read it so I can hear your thoughts on it. I'm excited for Becca to read it so I can hear her thoughts on it. When uh, the two of you are done, my mom has dibs on it next. I'm going to lend it to her so she can read it. And I'm excited to hear what her thoughts are on it. If anybody on earth reads this book, I want to hear your thoughts on it. Haunting of Hill House by Shirley Jackson. I give it 10 out of 10. I'm so I fucking excited. loved it. It's I so good. So also, um, the character of Theodora is never explicitly stated as being gay in the book. But literally from the first scene that she is introduced, I was like, oh, yeah, I see why Mike made her gay. <laughs> I'm so excited. And then a few scenes later, I was like, oh, Mike didn't even have to make her gay. It's almost clear in the book that she's gay. <laughs> I'm so pumped. I literally cannot express how excited I am to read this. I, it, is, it is so fucking good. I would. I really would... I'm so glad that I'm getting back into reading because reading yeah. is reading is fun and good, it is actually. it's good and, it is and fun everyone and should do a little bit of it yeah. and not even my book if you don't if you don't want to read my book and that's fine it's big and long and I get it um read Haunting of Hill House read this yeah. uh, fucking Hellbound Heart read Revelator God, um please the Hellbound read Heart is short even the Hellbound Heart is super short I have to get to Revelator but first uh, well my immediate next book I should mention it on this podcast. Um, this April, we're covering Summer Suns by oh, Lee yeah. Mandelo. If you I didn't know if we were going to talk about it. We've yeah. already mentioned it on pod. Oh, okay, so. yeah. Yeah, if you want to read it so you can know what we're talking about when we do the podcast on it, I'm about to start reading it. So I haven't got it in because the bookstore I ordered it from had a computer crash. Mine um, didn't. My, my copy showed up the day that I finished reading Hill House, actually. <laughs> uh, and one last book recommendation because oh, I yeah. want everyone to read it because I, I don't know. I love classic horror and I always have and I've talked about that on this podcast. You're gonna say Sweeney Todd. I'm gonna say Sweeney Todd. Please read Sweeney Todd. I currently Todd. have Nina's copy of Sweeney Todd. I'm gonna read it when I'm done with Summer Sun. <laughs> Good. It's so short. It's really again, it's it short. It's, it's small. It's a, not a big book. It's short. It's easy to read. Um, if you wanted to, you could only read half of it because half I think it was written by two authors as a penny dreadful originally. Oh, okay. And the alternating storylines would come out each week. And so half of it is a romance mystery, and the other half is a horror from the point of view of the killer um in the same mystery so it's a really fun oh. little converging like separate storylines with separate main characters and i love it so much it's really good um it's pretty neat and everyone should read it i think uh but yeah that's that's been the book ghouls that's the book ghouls and we gabbed them <laughs> and we we certainly have and we certainly gabbed the shit out of this movie we did and other this things. is a way longer episode than it should be it's because we're in person well yeah we get sidetracked more when we're in person but that's the end of the episode goodbye <laughs>